It's another bisexual brunch with Lewis Oakley, Ashley Byrne, but this time with no Nicky Hodgson. If nobody was told what you were meant to do, if there weren't any rules, we would be living in a totally different format. We as journalists and activists have always found it very difficult to find people who will openly talk about being bisexual. Just don't think there are enough bi perspectives on bi issues. I feel like we've got to talk about it because we're really comfortable doing that. It can be really intimidating. Bisexuality is not really understood because people have biphobic tendencies. And the second you mention bisexual, just their ears pick up. Oh, well, you're still confused, right? No, I'm not confused. I've always found myself at the mercy of gay and straight advice. You can have a bit of competition to see who's the better bisexual bruncher. This is Bisexual Brunch. Yes, it's another bisexual brunch, but this time without Nikki, who's taking a short break, though she is going to be joining us during the course of the show because she's got something to get off her chest. Not quite sure what it is, but I think we've been in clinic. It might have something to do with... um, our friend Jonathan, don't we, uh, Lewis? I've got a feeling it is. I've got a feeling there's a certain article in a certain LGBT publication that may have called their bisexual friend gay. Yes. Um, so we'll see. I think, yeah, I think she's on the defensive for, for, for Jonathan at the moment. We'll hear, hear from Nikki a little bit later on. And, of course, we've got our latest bisexual journey story, as always. Uh, we've also got uh, Ask a Bisexual, and we'll be hearing from Dr. Julia Shaw, who has just written a new book called Bi, The Hidden Culture, History and Science of Bisexuality. So lots to come uh, over the course of, well, I don't know, maybe two, three hours, depends on how long we talk for, really. Uh, apparently, there's lots of people in, uh, listening to us in lots of interesting places, people washing their car on a Saturday morning, people sat in the bath. Uh, all sorts of places people listen to us uh, in. And uh, it's a little bit worrying because the last episode, of course, was um, packed full of... uh Lots of stuff about pornography. So, so wherever they were listening, it's. Uh, I think you've got to be a little bit, a little bit careful, <laughs> occasionally. Um, yeah, please don't operate heavy machinery if you're listening to us. <laughs> but you've had, you've had people saying that they listen to us for quite long periods, haven't you? Yeah, they were, they were like, your podcast is perfect for a long drive. So you know, <laughs> that's great. I'm glad we can provide some entertainment. Although interesting, if you're driving and you've got kids in the back. Whatever. Well, lots to come uh, over the next uh, couple of hours, and uh, we hope we keep, we keep you entertained. Um, so let's start off then um, with something fairly serious this time, which is this news of the latest health panic, which is monkeypox, um, and it, it, it's a, a disease which has been around, I gather, for quite a long time in different parts of the world and emerges at different times. Um, but there's been a a bit of an outbreak in certain parts of Europe and in the UK where I think there's been up to this date about nine, 10 or 11 cases, I think, in certain parts of the UK. And some of these have been amongst gay and bisexual men, from what I can gather. Um, now, obviously, it's important to um, let people know um, if there is an outbreak of whatever it may be. Um, but I think my concern on this Lewis and I'm sure you probably think the same is that we've just got to be very responsible when it comes to the the media coverage of it I mean I've noticed that in print online on radio on tv everywhere uh into this this story is dripping this thing of it being sort of something which affects gay and bisexual people now it's not specifically a sexually transmitted disease um it can affect everybody um so I think there needs to be some caution here and 
you know what it brings back it brings back worries for me of the whole area of of, of the coverage of the HIV and AIDS pandemic back in the um, 1980s when of course bisexual people uh, were seen as the the ultimate spreaders of it everywhere what's your take on it oh yeah I mean this is the thing first of all it's not an STI so there, there's your number one thing um, the way that gay and bi men are being singled out I just think we got to a really dark place with the COVID stuff of of calling people names and being mean to people. I feel like we're we're right for the moment for you, you know to pick up that stigma of gay and bi men being these um, problematic people that are spreading disease. I, I I really think we are. As you know, I have a problem with gay and bi men being lumped in the same terms when it comes to um, research. You know, am, am I at risk as a bisexual man who's in a monogamous relationship with a with um, an opposite sex partner, probably not. But you know, is a gay man who. But this is the thing. Then we go, we go down this route of like, oh well, if you're gay monogamous, then fine. But it's like, well, it's not a sexually transmitted disease, so you already find yourself um, defending against things that you didn't, shouldn't even really have to be defending against. So this is the problem. It can be. Um, it can be passed through all sorts of things. It can be passed through washing. It could be, you know, it's not something specifically that's that, that, that's to do with sexuality, and it it worries me that that's the the early stages of covering this. All the media have, you know, basically made a point of make of saying that the, most of the cases have been gay and bisexual people, which I think is is highly irresponsible, really, to be honest. It's it's worrying. I, like I think the world is ripe for for going straight back to where it was, and you know, are already with the with the media coverage as it is, are people going to want to say, oh, you know what? Do I want to stay away from gay and bi men? I mean, if you were on the fence before, you probably are a bit more arm's length now, aren't you? Yeah. So it's worrying. I mean, obviously, you know, we do have to take health risks, pers- like, you know, seriously. Um, but I do think we need to be responsible, not get overhyped, um, and just, just be careful with what we're doing. Absolutely. I mean, just talking about the whole thing of, of potential backlashes for a second. You know, there are things emerging in lots of different parts of the world. You know, obviously, we've got the whole issue on of trans at the minute, which is rumbling on has become, you know, hatred towards trans people is just absolutely crazy. Um, and of course, you in other parts of the world, you've got issues as well, haven't you? Like in in Florida, where they've they've uh, they, they've brought in this thing of banning promotion of of, of um, homosexuality um, in schools and things like that. And, and I think the New York mayor is encouraging gay and bisexual people to come and live in New York to escape Florida's homophobia kind of thing. I mean, you don't, you know, we. I thought we'd moved on from this. I thought we'd actually, you know, I thought 2022, I thought all that was in the in the past, didn't you? No, I didn't. I, trust no one. Like, the, the, these rights can be taken back so quickly. You've got to always be vigilant. You've got to always be making the case. Um you know, we, we are where we are. I, I'm shocked by things that happen in the world right now. Um, and I think it's about balance. I think it's about not being hyped up. I think it is, again, about two sides that go extreme in the opposite directions where really people need to come together and be like, come on, let's just find a common, sensible way to live together. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I totally think we need to watch our backs. I, you know, this... We're not in a perfect place, but it doesn't mean that it couldn't get worse. You know what I mean? No, absolutely, absolutely. And of course, when people, when there's struggles, when there's issues, when there's problems, when there's, I mean, obviously there's been poverty for years, but wherever there is issues or problems which where people are suffering, and it could be climate change or whatever, 
um, it, it's a great excuse, isn't it, to blame the other, to blame somebody different or whatever for whatever's going on. And, you know, that's the that's the, the worry. So, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right that we, we need to, you know, continue uh, protecting our rights uh, all along. So, uh, so yeah, so monkeypox, let's watch that one and uh, hopefully it doesn't um, emerge as some uh, hyper- hyperbole of a story uh, which causes the um, LGBT uh, population any major hassles. Uh, we're watching it closely. So, um, yeah, lots been happening, uh, as there always is, of course. Um, there's a new queer museum uh, open near King's Cross in London. Not a chance to go and... Uh, uh, have a look yet i don't know i know you're locals but you've not had a chance to go and look yet have you uh, uh lewis i'm planning to go and uh, while i'm on paternity leave because i'm gonna have a month of time to fill so i'm gonna go and be a keen-eyed bisexual and count how many references to bisexuality there actually are in this museum and don't forget if it says gay and bisexual it doesn't count it needs to be uniquely bisexual well we have been in touch with them to talk to us about it and um they said they can't talk to us at the moment so yeah, we'll wait. That I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna cast aspersions yet, but uh, it, it does worry me that, uh, like a lot of things, there probably won't be many mentions of bisexual. But we'll we'll see. We'll be uh, hopefully we'll be proved will be proved wrong. Um, there are other things, of course, that have been happening. A major footballer has come out as as gay uh, in the news, which is great. And uh, and some lower league footballers have recently come out as bisexual. So it's really good to have people obviously coming out and expressing their uh, their their sexuality. Um, but it seems to me that the obsession on the bisexual side still continues to be the whole issue of whether or not we can pick a side. There was a story in the news looking back at the uh, days of David Bowie, when David Bowie first sort of came out as uh, as, as bisexual or non-binary, or whatever he was back in the 1970s and 80s, and how uh, they had to, in order for him to have a, a successful career in America... Uh, they had to um, try desperately to um, focus on his uh, what was perceived as his straight side, you know, having a child and all that kind of thing, uh, which is which which is crazy. Um, and I mean, he managed to get through it, and I think he was became a fantastic icon. But that's continuing, isn't it? Because there was an article the other day in one of the national newspapers here in the UK, having a, a real sort of getting so excited because they they they'd found somewhere online um, some some um, articles where bisexual people were, were were declaring who they preferred whether they preferred men or women or whoever and and they made a big thing big splash about it you know bisexual people deciding making a decision kind of thing and as though as though we must we must make we, we, we might fancy men and women but we actually have to come down on one side eventually you had a read of this didn't you uh lewis what did you make of it i did so i read this article <laughs> gotta be honest I didn't have a problem with what they were saying. It kind of felt like what we would probably, bisexuals would say amongst themselves. So, you know, some that were in there were like men saying, oh, uh, someone was saying like, oh, men are less high maintenance than women. Uh, Someone was saying that they um, prefer women, but are, you know, looking to date women because they want kids. There was one um, bi woman in there that was like, you know, men are only after my virginity. I want to be with a woman for love, blah, blah, blah. So there were some quite interesting things in there that I'm like, ooh, I could I could chat for hours about these things with, with other bisexuals. But I think it is the context in which this was packaged up, which is around, yeah, they do have a preference that they can't hide it. Look, we've infiltrated their little groups. We've, we've screenshotted some conversations and look, here's the proof. Um, so I think that that was probably the intention behind it. 
which I get, but it didn't work for me because I was, I was reading it. I was like, oh, interesting, interesting. Because, you know, there are different, it's not so much that bisexual people have preferences, but I think there are different factors that we all deal with here and there. And if you are with someone that's female, male, non-binary, trans, whatever it is, there's, there's going to be unique things going on there. And, you you know, your bisexuality might also make you consider unique things that could happen over here. Um, and that, I think, is just all part of the bi experience, right? Of always kind of, you know, it's like you're in the matrix of all these potential possibilities of the ways your life could go or what could happen over here. Because for some reason, the gender of the person you date or are attracted to has has such major consequences. Um, so I found it quite interesting to have them all read through those those things. But as you say, it is peppered up in a lot of people reading that won't have had that curious mind I did to be like, oh, what are, what are the other bisexuals saying? They would have been like, see, they can't help themselves, can they? But, you know, it's a, it's inevitable they'll be with one. Yeah, and I think they're, they're, what they're trying to say largely or most of the time is certainly with men is that, you know, that, yeah, they're really gay, aren't they? You know, yeah, they, they must yeah, be gay. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. Or with women, I think a lot of the time it's just a... It's just a you know just playing at it. It's nothing. It's nothing serious. They're going to end up with a man anyway. Do you know what I mean? So it's mm. always the patriarchy thing comes out every time. Of course, that's where it that's where it tends to fall down. Everyone's defined by their attraction towards men. If you are bisexual, then your attraction to men must be the strongest one. And you're gay. If you're a woman, then your attraction to men must be the strongest one. And you're straight and get drunk sometimes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's basically what they say. Exactly. Exactly. But the, the thing for bisexual people generally, though, is that we're, we're always we're always as well. I think all of us are always comparing ourselves with straight and gay all the time so we're always thinking so you and i and nikki will have a conversation about what's it like to date a man what's it like to date a woman somebody who's non-binary or whatever we'll have that kind of conversation but we don't often sadly again this is this is obviously a problem because of of, of awareness and, and people being able to communicate and all the rest of it and hopefully bisexual brunch helps uh, to sort of break this down but you know um we know, we all know, there are millions of people out there who are bisexual, and it would be nice to get to a point where we can compare um, relationships with other bisexuals, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to know, you know, it'd be nice to be in a situation where bisexuals are dating other bisexuals, and and etc. You know, I'm sure we'll get there one day, but it, it's um, you know, it's it's an it, it's an issue. And I, um, a friend of mine actually came out to me uh, this week as bisexual, which I was honoured actually um for him you know he came out and, and, and i'm honoured that he trusted me actually i'm not obviously not going to break his trust to reveal his name and the rest of it but what it struck me about it was that he's in a situation whereby he's um sort of 30s kind of thing um had relationships with women uh now revealed to me that he's had some kind of relationships with men uh, at certain times but feels you know i can tell he feels stuck in a, in in a, a situation where he doesn't really know where to go, he, he, I can tell he feels that he has to make some kind of choice around his life. So, for example, you know, um, there will be the whole issue of, of of having a kid, and we'll talk about that in a moment a bit more with you, Lewis, because of you know, obviously you're having another child, another by man having a, having a second child in a moment. But you know, there's that pressure of having a child. So the, the so the assumption a lot of the time is that. You know, if you can have a child, it should be with a woman. So, or it's likely to be a woman generally, kind of thing. Uh, that's the societal pressure. So you've got that issue. But then I can tell that he and other people I know in this situation also want to, 
you know, they don't want to deny their um, attraction to people of the same sex as well. So they're, they're sort of in this limbo mode where they don't quite know where to go. And, you know, it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very frustrating because you could, if you've got friends, you can talk to very openly about it and that you are, you're, you're bisexual and that's not, and it's not an issue. But in general society, when it comes to going to work, when it comes to um, f families, when it comes to all sorts of things, people still define you by one thing or another, don't they? They don't, they define you often by whoever you're having a relationship with. So I can understand why lots of people who are bi don't, I struggle, I suppose, to nail themselves to one person along the way. Am, am I right? There's a lot of people like this out there, isn't there, who find it very hard to to sort of... And, and, and that must cause lots of mental health tensions as you go through life. I think so. I, I think being bisexual, it's it kind of feels like, A, I know being bi isn't a choice, but I feel like people feel like it gives you a lot of choice. And when you're told that, I think that probably, you know... You, you put that on yourself. So, for example, if you're a gay guy and you are dating another gay guy, you know you ain't having biological children. And it's got nothing to do with the partner you've chosen. You know, you're gay. You are not going to conceive a child naturally. That's just it. That's the reality of your situation. You can deal with it from there. Do you want to adopt? Do you want to, you know, have a look at that? With bi people, it does kind of feel like, oh, well, the world's your oyster. You know, if you want biological children, then you should be with a woman or whatever it is. Or, you know... If you, if you want to go on holiday to this country, then you better not go with your boyfriend because, you know, that's illegal there or, or whatever it is. It feels like constantly there's always this choice of bisexuals of, well, you know, we've, some, we've somehow chosen, well, we'll go down this path then. And it, it's, not, it's not a healthy thing to have put on you to, to kind of feel like, oh, well, because of my sexuality, I've got to make this choice of closing myself off from this because I want to pursue that. And I think that it probably comes with a lot of bisexuals don't have other bisexual people around to, to help them navigate it. And I would just say, when you're bisexual, I think you've just got to have just faith of like, you know what? I'm going to pick the person I'm most attracted to and like the most. And we will just navigate whatever comes. Because, you know, being with a woman does not mean you're going to have biological children. You could have fertility issues. She could have fertility issues. You know, one of you could die, you know. Who who's to say what could happen tomorrow? Do, you know, so don't put all this pressure on yourself to constantly be like, oh well, you know, I've got to make a choice around who I am soon and what I want to do. Just follow your heart is all you can really do in this situation. You cannot go into your sexuality with a game plan of, you know, maybe for instance, I'm gonna have fun, sleep with everyone in my twenties, then in my thirties, I'll settle down and have a wife and, and do the traditional thing, that might not work out because at 29 you might meet the man of your dreams and then what are you going to do? Break up with him a month later because, oh, I've turned 30 and, and that was the plan I set myself when I was 23. Um, it's just not that... It, we just don't have that much choice, realistically. You just have to follow your heart. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, I hope people who are listening to this will be heartened by those what you just said there, you know, and will feel... Um, more comfortable in in dealing with their their sexuality, but I, I, I would hazard a guess there are a lot of people who, 
you know, sadly, the, the general pressures of life, of families, of people wanting them to do certain things by a certain date in their lives, you know, oh, you've not got any kids yet. Oh, are you not settling down? You know, all these kind of the usual things that people, pressures that people have, and they feel as though they've got to please certain people in the family or your friends or whatever it may be, societal pressures. Um, all that mixed up, you know, with the sexuality where they can't actually talk about it at all. Um, you know, which is which is why, you know, just, just talking about this for a second um, in terms of our audience, you know, I'm sure you'd agree with this, Lewis. You know, we want, you know, people have, uh, since we started, have come forward and talked to us about um, their own bisexual journey stories. Uh, but please do reach out to us with, you know, your questions for Ask a Bisexual, which, you know, we get some silly questions, but we, we're happy to talk to you about serious questions as well. We are hopefully creating a community whereby people who are bisexual can can talk about anything they want to talk about and we're there for you wherever you are anywhere in the world really so please you know to do please reach out to us now um lewis you're about to become um uh, bisexual dad as it were for the second time in uh, a matter of uh, days i gather is that right yeah well so i mean dad for a third time so of course yes yeah. stepped dad to it Stepdad to a 13-year-old. I've got Maisie, who is 19 months, maybe 20 months now, actually. Um, and yet, my son is due to be born on the 1st of June. So it is crazier, because also, just to make things more fun, we decided that we would move flat. So I've just spent a week moving everything over to our new home. And it's crazy. I've spent about £100 on stair gates. Because where we lived before, we didn't have stairs. And I'm absolutely terrified. There are two sets of stairs in this new place. And I've just kept buying... I brought a stair gate and I played with it for an hour and realised it was too small. Then I brought a stair gate that was just the right size but has this bar at the bottom that you're not supposed to have because you're tripping full down the stairs. Honestly, it's just been so stressful. But having this next baby, it is so exciting. But I think because we already have a young daughter, we haven't had the time that we had before. So when we had, when we were having Maisie, we had so much time to plan the birth and what songs and what did Laura want, you know, what sense and what music and all, all the birthing plan, everything. With this one, there's just so little time because if we're not working, we're with Maisie or we're setting up this new house, it's like, we just haven't even really thought this through. How is this gonna work with like a, two kids under two? And you know, like I said, like little things like, oh, we've got a flight of stairs now. So what do you do when you come in? Do you take the baby up first and put him in the Moses basket and then come back down for Maisie in case she, you know, what do you do? So I'm so glad that I've got a month off um, for paternity leave to figure all this out because I just think it's crazy. And I think with our lives today, like, and obviously with what I do, I work a full-time job, do all the bisexual stuff on the side, then a parent and, you know, try to be a good partner and all that kind of stuff. I just think that we we so often don't get any time to just stop and focus on one thing. So with paternity leave, that's my one thing, is like, okay, just to stop, just not be doing anything, but just focusing on these babies and raising them and how on earth we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Are the stairs quite steep then? Steep stairs? They are steep. They are steep stairs. Like, I wouldn't recommend anyone wearing high heels up, up these stairs. <laughs> Little facts for, for anyone listening. I started out with, so obviously we've just moved in and we had the internet installed yesterday. And I started recording this in my bedroom, which is the furthest away from the hub. Um, 
and the, you know we, we had to start recording again because the the internet was just cutting out yeah. i'm now in the secondary stairway so I'm, this is the glamour of bisexual i'm sitting on the stairs that lead to the back door this door doesn't lock from where i am so Maisie could pull it open at any time and come tumbling down the stairs so i'm recording this whilst holding on to the door <laughs> so that she doesn't come bounding through wondering what daddy's doing and then tumble down the stairs Aww. because it's one of those things where you move in somewhere new you just have to kind of like slowly make things safe and sort things out and figure out how to get the internet to bounce to the bedroom but well literally we i mean i've been here since wednesday setting up the house between working but laura and the kids only moved in yesterday um and i only built the sofa yesterday so it's all very new so obviously i was like yeah let's record a bisexual brunch and i'm just going to sell you're being very you're being, a, you're being a very practical dad lois aren't you was it does this come naturally yeah, does it come God. naturally <laughs> i think it does you know what i i th since i became a dad i really do feel like oh this was definitely something you were meant to do so in that sense of you know because I, I was i was kind of thought i probably wanted kids um and uh, you know in recent years i was like you know what i really do want kids and i'm so happy that it's kind of like worked out where it's like fit and it's like oh my god i love i love being a dad and it makes sense that i'm a dad because i'm usually i don't have many friends that have got kids I've probably got like three friends that have got kids, so everyone else, like, I can't believe you're a dad, that's so weird. I, I just go and get drunk, or whatever it is, or, you know, not always drinking, like some people are doing really interesting things. Um, so I am a bit of the odd one out being a parent at 30, but I really, I really love it. Like I really do. It's stressful, it's terrifying. I've never considered the amount of ways a young person could die, because all I see is danger now. It's just like, oh my God, that's a killer, that's a killer. Get rid of it. <laughs> so it is quite stressful, but um, it's fine. Now, you've actually been talking um, about being a by dad, haven't you, uh, in the one of the newspapers over here, the Metro, um, article, article in which you headlined, <laughs> I worried becoming a dad would mean losing my bisexual identity. Now, you've had a big response to this article. Um, I think about 460. 60 odd responses on uh, Facebook and various places. I know you haven't read any of them. I'm going to put some of them, some of the messages to you in a moment. Uh, but before <laughs> we do, um, what was the general gist of the article, Lewis? So the article was talking about, you know, when you become a parent, as I just kind of said, you're so busy. Do you really have time to be visible as a bisexual? Because obviously, you know, if you're gay and you're a gay parent, like just you and your partner showing up to school to do the pickup together, that is visibility for being gay. But, you know, for me, people look at me with the kids and the, and the fiance and they think straight. So to be seen as a bisexual, for people to know like, oh no, I'm a bisexual, you actually have to put effort into it. It's this whole idea of like, well, do I have time to put effort into it? Do any of us who are parents, like, you know, you've got so many things to do. You know, if you're gonna spend time being visible as a bisexual, that's time and effort that could have gone into your kids. And I think it, what I'm really getting at in this article is this whole thing of like the older bi disappearing. So that idea of like, oh, well, you settled down with a, with a woman and you had children. So you're straight, you know, we think you're straight, even though you said you were bi once, we know you're straight now. And, you know, the flip side, you know, if you end up with a guy and your relationship with a guy, it's like, oh, well, they became gay. So it's this whole thing. And what I felt when I was coming out, when I was, you know, like 19, people would say, well, there's no older bisexuals, are they? Like, they, they all choose by the time they're 30, like, they're gay or straight, and that's it. And it was really tackling that of, like, look, 
it's not being neglectful to your kids to make time to record a podcast or write an article or even just, you know, wear a T-shirt or put something on your social media or whatever it is. Um, there was a bit they took out, which was the bit about, you know, I think the factor of making your kids a bit of a target. So do you really want to be going around talking around bisexuality when, oh, the other parents might treat you a bit like, what? why is he talking about his bisexuality? You know, maybe he wants a threesome with one of us. Like, oh, you know what? We won't, we won't invite Maisie around for, for dinner now. Or just like the other kids finding out and that then be, you know, your child being teased. Like, oh, your daddy's going to leave your mummy for a man. Um, you know what I mean? Like, th- there is, so that section of it actually got taken out, but that'll just mean I'll write that up as a different article at some point. But that's what I'm really getting at with this article, this whole, like, you know what? And, I mean, kind of to the point, I, I actually put something in that we talked about bisexual brunch last time, was this whole idea of, like, I feel like there's this um, thing of, like, well, why do you have to talk about your sexuality? Why do you have to talk about it? Why is it important? But as we were saying on the last episode, well, actually, you know, how many times have I suffered through someone telling me what football club they support and how important that is? And that's not seen as, oh, well, I'm, you know, you're rubbing it in my face. Like, I don't care who you support. It's like, oh, OK, that's not, that's an interesting po- point about you. And if I were to say, oh, um, you know, um, Stuart um, supports Man United, when actually it's Man City, he would get very annoyed. It's like, no, I'm a Man City supporter, not a Man United supporter. Um, and it's kind of a, it's, you know, it's a whole completely different thing, but I think that it's a very relatable thing to put in that context. So I did actually put that in that we talked about in the last episode. Let's look at what responses we got then. Just for context for everyone, I don't read comments. <laughs> I do not read comments. When I saw that there were so many um, comments on this one, I sent it to Ash and was like, look, if you want to read through them and discuss it on the podcast, we can. But I'm not subjecting myself to the whims and thoughts and opinions of just random people that are just probably haven't even read the article just read the headline. well well i think we've still got a lot of work to do uh lewis so you won't be surprised you won't be surprised to know that <laughs> all right um, so the first so the go. first one the first one i don't get it is it really necessary to shout about your sexuality from the rooftops all the time sure answering truthfully when asked yeah but he sounds like he goes around and feels a need to make it known to everyone that he's bisexual like it's the most important thing about him when in fact being a husband and father should be the most important regardless of sexuality so that's the first response and there's somebody that that got 122 likes and so people agree then people (laughs) responding um somebody defended you says uh uh, i guess if you're frightened that that things might go backwards and 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 being you might no longer be acceptable then you might feel it's important to remind people that bisexuality and homosexuality are far more common than people realise and that automatically assuming people are straight on meeting them until otherwise stated is a bit odd. Also, heterosexuality is constantly in your face all the time if you take a moment to take note of it. And that's been liked by 10 people. Um, so, and it, and <laughs> only 10. Only 10, okay. only 10. There's a lot of religious... Thank you, whoever that there's was. There's a, re- a lot of religious back- backlash on it, which I won't go into because it's not worth it. Oh, his declared sexuality should pale in comparison to his committed marriage to his wife, unless this, unless this is the sole reason for his coming out. There you go. Ooh, wow. There you go. There you go. Um, Thirty-four people like that one. Um, and then somebody else says um, he doesn't want to deny his sexuality. I think that's the point here. Which is, but you see, it's that whole thing of a bit. To be honest, you, which you tackled in the article, but was taken out. That whole thing of people feeling that somehow 
you declaring your bisexuality some kind of threat to your relationship with your with your partner. That's that's what people have got mm. a real problem with. They really think yeah. That, yeah. that somehow if you're declaring your bisexuality, then you're not satisfied with with the person you're in a relationship with. So the next one is, uh, I'm not into this activism malarkey, nor am I bisexual myself, but surely having a child doesn't alter your sexual orientation. Well, we're not saying it doesn't, are we? Plenty of homosexuals and bisexuals in days gone by would have families and heterosexual relationships, even if it was only to cover up their true sexuality, live up to social expectations. On a positive note, at least these parents can now raise their children uh, to be tolerant of others. If it makes that one, I suppose. Yeah. Somebody else says those poor children. <gasps> What's wrong? My poor children? They're, they're lovely and looked after. Um, they don't know. Questioning my parents, eh? And then somebody else says in response to that, poor you, thinking someone can only concentrate on one thing at a time, uh, lest they reveal that they have the capacity to focus on and care about more than one thing at once. Maybe you should concentrate on your own life and children if you have any. <laughs> that told them. Yeah, well said, whoever that was. Good. Um, and then somebody else says, lucky children, they could have you and your bigoted views as a parent. Somebody else has to go, go back at them. So there you go. So there's a bit of, yeah, there's, oh, defi- there's definitely a debate going on. Let's put it that way. Um, I, think, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because I knew some of those comments would be negative. And I think you've got to think, when, I, when you've put so much effort into writing a piece, um, you know, reading all those negative comments it's just i just don't care to do it anymore um and i do think ultimately it's so important to be visible and one of the things i do say in this article in fairness is if people continue to think bisexuality is a phase and that when you get older you're just not bisexual anymore people will continue to not invest in bisexual people so you know as we've discussed multiple times in this podcast bisexuals do worse in about every way you measure success, whether that's health, mental health, wages, you know, relationships, um, the, the, all the metrics, we tend to do worse. Basically, I just think that, you know, no one is going to invest in bisexuality and look into the issues of where we are coming up short and look for ways to correct it. They just think, oh, well, this is just something that young people deal with and they grow out of it. You know what I mean? It's like, no... Older bisexuals need to be around to hold LGBT organisations feet to the fire and say, hey, you know, what are you doing for us? Um, We need to be visible so that people can't turn around to young bisexual people and say, oh, you'll grow out of it. Don't worry. Um, I think it's so important. And obviously it's balanced with it's harder to do, I think, when you do become a parent, for for me anyway, where it's like, where's the time coming to do any of this stuff? Um, So very glad I wrote my article. Um, Thank you to those who commented, even those ones that I didn't want to read, because, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, let's, tell you, let's do a few more then before we, <laughs> before we go, because some, some of them are quite entertaining, actually. Some are, a bit, some are a bit more serious. Here's a mixed one from somebody who actually says they are a bisexual dad. Bisexual dad here too, and I haven't been much of an activist for years. I don't think the two things are incompatible, though, and I am quite a private person, so I'm not naturally inclined to talk about it too much. Uh, there's no shame, of course, though, he says. So that's, uh, and of course, you know, there are people who don't, who don't want to talk about their sexuality. That's fine. But I agree. I'm with, you, I'm with you, Lewis, in the sense that I think the w- awareness of people's sexuality, when it's something that's so hidden, not for anybody's, you know, not for, it's, it's, it's the, the complexity of it. I think it's quite important that people know that people who are bisexual 
exist. Somebody else says here, who actually cares? Concentrate on your kids instead of trying to become a celebrity. There you go. Um, <laughs> um, <A> celebrity. <laughs> um, and then uh, somebody says, if he's in a relationship, now this is one which we have to challenge. If he's in a relationship, then why does it matter that he's bisexual? Surely you're only bisexual when you're on the market for someone else. If you decide on a man or a woman, then that should be your priority once in that relationship. As for the kids, focus on them. And when your selfishness subsides, you'll realise what was most important. Oh my God, that's so just ridiculous that that is how people think. First of all, this weird notion that, oh, once you're in a relationship, your hormones turn off. I would challenge that person, I'm assuming, let's say, a straight man. Was it a man or a woman? Uh, it was a man. So I would say to him, okay, so since you got married, have you never found another woman attractive? It's, it's just that simple, isn't it? It's like, I'm in a relationship, but I still see other attractive people. You, you're still, you, your hormones don't turn off when you get married. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, absolutely. Somebody says here that this 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 um, thread shows exactly where there is, why there is a need for people to understand bisexual men in particular and their families. So there you go. So you know, it is it is balanced. There's a debate, there's definitely a debate going on, but we've got mm -hmm. uh, we've got a lot more work to do. People don't get it, and I think that is the the general issue in terms of where we are with. You know, um, media representation, representation generally in society, because people don't think it's important because they think at the end of the day, somebody makes a choice and settles down with a man or a woman and that's it. So it doesn't really make any difference. Um, and they don't realise there's lots of people out there who struggle through life uh, having to sort of deal with these feelings and these thoughts and have got no one to turn to, you know. So, um, so there, well, there you I'll go. continue banging on about it, no matter what the comments say. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, were you you weren't surprised by any of that, were you, Lewis? Really? No, it's kind of what I thought it would be. There, I just didn't care to read it. No, no, exactly, 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 exactly. So then, uh, talking about uh, people um, misrepresenting us and shoving us in little boxes and things, um, we're going to join Nikki now. She's got a message to uh, uh, to convey to all of us. Let's have a listen to this. Now, Pink News, I've got a little bone to pick with you. Or maybe that should be boner. We've always got on over the years, us and Bisexual Brunch, and uh, you've always covered all the great things that we've done, so we love you very much. But you have decided to misorientate my Jonathan. Jonathan the Giant Tortoise. Now, look, we all love Jonathan. He was the star guest on our show a few weeks ago, and his vet said all sorts of wonderful things about him. But... What you've said in a recent report about him is that he's gay and we all know he's bi because even in the report that you've written, you reference the fact that he's got one main partner and then he likes a bit of Nucky on the side with Emma, the other giant tortoise in the enclosure. Well, if one of his partners is male and one is female, isn't he surely bisexual? So come on, Pink News. We know you like to break the news and you're always doing so well on all the LGBTQ stuff that we need covering. But you can't misorientate my Jonathan. Give us Jonathan back. He is the original bi-icon after all. So, so, there, so there was Nikki uh, defending Jonathan, who is definitely bisexual. He's not, he's not gay, he's bisexual. Um, but really what this points to, uh, Lewis, is a problem within the LGBT world and the LGBT press that they still struggle with dealing with the bee. 
I mean, how much more work do we have to do to get the LGBT world to understand what bisexuality is all about and why it needs representation? It's beyond me. The fact that LGBT media struggle with bisexuality is just beyond satire. It's just ridiculous. And th this isn't just one article where it's like, oh, you know what, someone might have made a mistake in researching. This happens all the time. I remember, you know, previously I got really annoyed because they called a character that came out in a, you know how in, in like a TV show, it's obviously periodic. So there was a character that came out um, and he was like, yeah, my boyfriend. And they were like, oh my God, this character comes out as gay. And it's like, but he could be bi. Like, that he hasn't said... It did then turn out a few episodes later he was gay, which was fine. But my issue at the time was, but you jumped to that. And you're an LGBT media that should not be doing this. It should not be that everyone with attractions towards men is gay. Um, which is what we see here. So, I don't know. For, for, for LGBT media that is very judgy of everyone else, you know, I think they really should clean house a little bit and actually look at what standards have they got in place for properly reporting on bisexuality. That's what they need to do. They need to just have a little think about it, maybe get some people like us in and be like, you know, you know, consider this when you're reporting on stuff. You can't just always jump to everyone that likes men as gay. No, absolutely. And, you know, and, and this was Pink News, which, to be fair, in the UK is really... It's really the only outlet, isn't it? There's no, there's no other mainstream, you know, news outlets focused on LGBT issues. Not really. It's the biggest one, certainly, and and it should be getting it right. Really, you know, it's it's pretty poor, pretty poor. So um, anyway, they've had their knuckles wrapped by Nikki, <laughs> who will be back on bisexual brunch in the in the near future at some point. Now then, uh, we're going to take a bit of a break, and after that, we're going to be talking to Dr. Julia Shaw about her new book by the hidden culture, history and science of bisexuality. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Likely Dads, a new series that looks at parenting from the paternal perspective. I'm always wary of people who plan kids. If your life's that structured, stay away from me, we're not going to get on. <laughs> a brand new show from the team behind Bisexual Brunch. I'm Tim Vincent and each week I'll be joined by my fellow Likely Dads, Mick Ferry and Russell Kane, as well as a series of special guests to discuss different aspects of fatherhood. When a man has an urge to have a, a child, it's not spoken about much, women sort of own this area. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be like the old films I watched where I'd just have a pipe and I'd be in a study. Just go, you're going to see your father now for ten minutes. <laughs> Hello, children, what have you been up to today? I'm not interested. All right, off to bed. An MIM production for BBC Radio 4. We hope you'll join us and subscribe to The Likely Dads on BBC Sounds. From the creators of Bisexual Brunch. Dale, how the hell did I end up here? Based on a true story. What choice do you have? Tell the world that Rock Hudson is gay? You're a good-looking kid. I don't have anyone else on my books like you. How about I start to represent you? A moving 40-minute drama based on the life and career of Rock Hudson. Yes! Good boy. You just made the best decision of your life. Written by Tim Fountain and starring Michael Xavier and Betty Bourne. Rock! Rock? Strong. Masculine. Rock Fitzgerald? Matt Fitzgerald. Sounds Irish. Nebraska, Washington, Hudson. Hudson. What about Rock Hudson? Get your coat on. 
I'm going to introduce Rock Hudson to Hollywood. Listen by searching for the Distinct Nostalgia podcast or visit distinctnostalgia.com. We got to do something about your voice, kid. We're going to snap your vocal cords. What? Ah. Uh, louder. Ah. Uh, louder. Uh, <coughs> Rock. Winner of the BBC's first ever online audio drama award. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexual brunch. Thank you. So Dr. Julia Shaw joins us on Bisexual Brunch. Uh, Julia, thank you very much indeed for chatting to us. I, I know you're not very well today. You've, you've gone and got the uh, the dreaded COVID a second time, I gather. Is that right? A second time. <laughs> yeah, I had it uh, when it was unlabeled and I lost my sense of smell for ages. But this time it's not too bad. Okay, okay. Well, we'll, 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 we'll treat you kindly, treat you kindly, because you don't seem to be suffering too badly. Uh, you get a little no. few sniffles, but that's about it at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I got, uh, I got <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, let's talk about your your new book. Um, I mean, there have been books before about bisexuality, um, and you know they they exist. I know there's Robin Oaks has, has obviously done books in America and all all the rest of it. But to be fair, in this country in particular, there, there's not a great deal written about bisexuality. It it it's, it tends to be fairly hidden. Obviously, there's there's podcasts like ours, Bisexual Brunch, and there's occasionally the odd program on the radio. We did a program a couple of years ago with me and Nikki Hodgson did a program, and there's a, there's the odd you know announcement of celebrities who who, who suddenly are, are, are bisexual and then suddenly the media turns them gay or straight or whatever. It's under the radar, isn't it? So I presume, a bit like us, you're hoping to get things over the radar a bit with this book. Yes, absolutely. And it's been already released in Germany. And I was astonished by the response, because you and I are well, very familiar with the issues of bi erasure and bi invisibility. And so I was pleasantly surprised that although I still got hit with quite a lot of stereotypes and quite a lot of um, problematic questions about and very intrusive questions <laughs> that they wouldn't have asked that people wouldn't have asked as you know for my other books because I've written other scientific books this book on bisexuality is also a scientific empirical book and yet the questions are much more personal so I, I I'm pleasantly surprised but there are still lots of stereotypes that we need to tackle first of all and we'll talk about what's in the book in a moment and obviously not give too much away because you want people to go and buy it obviously but um uh, why did you decide it was time to do something why did you decide you wanted to write a book about bisexuality as you say you've got other things you know criminology all the rest of it you know things that you could write about all the time you know why why bisexuality because I'm bi and I didn't find the book I was looking for. So you're absolutely right that there are some books on bisexuality by people like Robin Oakes, who's edited quite a few volumes, including anthologies, which bring to the surface many voices within the bi community and talk about various lived experiences. So what it's like for different you know, members of the community, if you're a man, a woman, a trans person, if you're different ages, different ethnicities, uh, dis, you know, a person with a disability or not, all of those intersectional experiences of bisexuality have been brought to the front a little bit. But what hadn't happened yet was a structured, empirically grounded conversation that was accessible. So I also found 
a couple of quite new, I have to say, textbooks on bisexuality. I mean, they're not textbooks in the way that you think of like an intro to psychology class where there's, you know, a review of everything. It was more textbooks, like summaries of a bunch of articles on the issue. But even those were quite new and they were very academic. And so as an academic, that doesn't bother me terribly, but it makes it very difficult for most people to read. And so I wanted to translate because that's what I do as a as a job, basically, at this point, is I translate science into language that people can understand, and I summarize it. And so that's what I want to do for this field, is to say, hey, actually, there's quite a lot of research here. It's just really inaccessible. It's behind paywalls, and it's written in this really academic language. So it's time to change that. So let's talk a little bit about the science, then. Why do you, why do you think it's important to, to talk about the science when it comes to bisexuality? Because it changes the narrative from a me conversation and my experience, which is inherently going to be unrepresentative because I can only have ever lived one life and one version of bisexuality, to a an us conversation about averages, about what do people in general say about their bisexuality? How do they define it? How do they experience it? What are the... What are the negative things and the positive things that happen to bisexual people? And I think that's a really important thing to do because it also makes it, I don't know, it gives it more of a solid foundation from which you can also argue much stronger. Because it's one thing to say, I experienced a thing or I experienced biphobia within, let's say, a queer bar. You know, someone says to me, I don't normally do bisexuals or they just straight up mock me and my partner in that space. And, you know, that that's the thing I can say, but people almost correctly go, well, but that's your experience. And with this book and with the research that I'm trying to bring out of the shadows with this book, you go, no, no, <laughs> you know, here's hundreds of thousands of accounts that also support this idea. And here's a theoretical underpinning to explain why it happens, like hypersexualization. And that makes for a much stronger argument in a lot of settings. That's interesting. Now, of course, we can we can go back 60 years or so and you know, bisexuality was being talked about. It was at the fore of the conversations that Kinsey was having and his research that he'd done. Why as that why did that do you think not take off in a big way? Why is it that we're that you're still in two thousand twenty two having to write this book? We're still trying to um, you know, talk about bisexuality and give people opportunities to talk about their own personal experiences. And one of the big things about doing bisexual brunch has been in the last couple of years is the amount of people who've contacted us who who didn't realise they were bisexual and 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 have given you know talked to us about their own personal experiences from all over the world. Uh, I have to say, a lot of men in straight um, facing relationships, to be fair, a lot of men who you know feel trapped in that kind of situation, they just can't be open to their partners. But equally, you know, there have been people on you know women as well. And whatever but again we'll talk we could talk about this forever i know about the differences between how men and women see uh you know uh, bisexual men and women uh, experience bisexuality because we know it's very different but why do you think that you know it, it was quite a bold statement from kinsey that people were on a spectrum back in 19 the 19 late 1950s why did it not take off why did why are we still in a situation where we're having to explain it and kinsey also destabilized the heterosexual norm, not just by introducing a spectrum, but also by saying that most people aren't totally straight and that if we want to talk about human sexuality, as he said, as it actually exists, <laughs> not as we wish it to, uh, we need to talk about 
fluidity and we need to talk about flexibility. We need to talk about a spectrum that includes bisexual experiences and now also identities. So that was something that he really turned around because up to that point, heterosexuality was seen as natural and normal. And he said, actually, about half of the men in my samples have had homosexual experiences, including those who identify as 100% or entirely monosexual. So, you know, heterosexual or homosexual. And so it's, it's a really important thing to do to say, actually, your assumptions are wrong. And they're probably coming from a place of moral judgment or of societal norm rather than scientific observation. So Kinsey was a, uh, he, he was in the natural sciences and all he did was classify things. He worked with gall wasps before he worked with humans. I mean, he came out of this like purely animal and insect world and all he wanted to do was describe human sexuality and talk about what actually happened rather than imposing some sort of moral construct. And he wasn't the first to do that. I think we often start this conversation with Kinsey. But as I explore in my book, and as I learned in my queer master's, so my master's in queer history it, at Goldsmiths University, which I completed in, you know, as part of the research for this book, I went back to university because I already have a PhD in criminal psychology. But I knew that I didn't know most things when it came to queer history. And I wanted to be able to place the my experiences, but also the conversation about bisexuality in the research community within a larger queer context. And the master's really helped me with that. But I also learned through my own research for the master's that already in the late 19, no, 18, 1800s, uh, someone called Havelock Ellis was writing about human sexuality from a descriptive point of view. And by the 20s at the latest, he was writing quite a lot of positive things as well about specifically about bisexual people. So it wasn't just Kinsey. It was Havelock Ellis. It was some of the very first people to ever research sexuality who also validated and spoke about and wrote about bisexuality. So it is shocking that we're still having this conversation. But we are because unfortunately bisexuality keeps getting sidelined partly out of political strategy as i explore in one of the one of the chapters around the movement for queer rights and equal you know the gay marriage and all these things bisexuals keep getting tossed aside because we complicate things yeah we do complicate things and and of course there is more to it as well isn't there um you know people we often talk about the the, the problem sometimes being that the, the, the word sex is in the middle of bi, bisexual and people run away from the word sex was gay it's not there necessarily you know you don't think of it in the same way and, and so people run away from the word sex but also you know it's not just about sex is it you know the conversations we've had with people you know there, there are varying degrees of different people who feel attracted to people of different genders through lots of different ways whether it be emotional sexual whatever it may be there's loads of different ways to be attracted and i suppose at the end of the day um that's the problem isn't it it's all too nuanced for the for the for the binary world that we live in that's that's the problem isn't it really at the end of the day well it's too nuanced that's right for the heteronormative assumptions we've been taught it's not too nuanced for reality we can appreciate nuance kids can appreciate nuance it's just that that is something that we then need to put as a filter on the world or said differently we've all been 
a, a filter has been forced upon us <laughs> that sees the world as binary in lots of ways, including in terms of gender, in terms of attractions, in terms of lots of other stuff. And that is luckily, I think, also through social media being destabilized more because it's easier to find one another. So it's easier for us, like you and I, to find each other online than it has been in the past because also by spaces aren't really something that have, has existed. We have by Pride now in London, for example, which has created a celebratory space and also a political space for bisexual people to come together and sort of... I, I once uh, in my queer masters, I can't remember who said this, but somebody was talking about that there's two forms of activists uh, or activism. One is going to church, which is basically going to queer spaces where you, you start the conversation at a different level because you're already all converted. You already all agree that queer lives matter and that these issues are important. And so you start from a different baseline. And that's what it felt like going to buy pride. It was like going to church because you don't need to explain justify your existence. You don't need to explain that th these are important issues. You start there and then you actually talk about the issues. And the other one is going to school or teaching at school. And that's where you're bringing other people in and you're explaining and whether it's, you know, queer issues or bi issues. And so it very much felt like going to church and going to these bi spaces. But the conversations are, it's not just that nuance is brought in through us. It's also that, oh, I, I think a lot of people haven't asked themselves the right questions about their own sexuality. And I'm hoping with this book to encourage people to think deeply about whom they love and how they love and to reconsider whether what they think about themselves is right. And maybe it is, but maybe there are deeper questions you can explore about your own identity and sexuality. So let's talk a little bit about the book. You cover lots of different areas. Outline to them briefly, if you can, the, the kind of things that you're you're looking at within the book? Sure. So I start with a definition of bisexuality and specifically looking at how researchers have studied and defined sexuality, but specifically bisexuality through the Kinsey scale and something called the Klein grid, which is a more complex way of looking at sexuality on various aspects, including things like whom you see yourself socializing with or whom you want to socialize with. Like, do you typically socialize with homosexual people or queer people or with straight people and how that might interact with your own identity as a straight person or as a queer person. And, and it asks you to divide it into past, present, and future, which is super interesting. It's something I'd never considered because we see it as a sort of stable thing that can't change. I think we don't think of how it does sometimes change over time and how your behavior and your affinity and your love and your sense of self changes from, you know, maybe being a teenager or whenever in the past to now and where you would ideally have it. That's what the Klein grid does is it asks us to structure these conversations in a much more nuanced way. And Klein was a therapist and did a lot of sexuality affirmative therapy already in the 1970s and was also a bi man himself. So I start with this sort of very in-depth look at what bisexuality is, how do researchers study it, and how can we ask ourselves the questions as to, you know, are you bi? Am I bi? How, how bi, if you will? Not that that's a real question, but, you know, where on a, where on a grid or a scale might you place yourself? 
And then I go through our history. So is there a bi history? And the answer is, yeah, of course there is. And I talk about people like Havelock Ellis and the persecution of his book, because, you know, how dare you say positive things about queer people was basically what happened in the late 1800s to his book. It was held up as obscene. It was ruled to be obscene in a court of law in the UK. And I go through the persecution of uh, people, including bi people, by the Nazis and um, within the queer community and queer politics. Then Nothing But Mammals, I have a chapter on whether there is a bi gene. Uh, spoiler, no. <laughs> you can read it and figure out and, and follow my reasoning as to how I got there. And the observation of bisexual behavior in the animal kingdom. And again, spoiler, there's lots of it. But it's really fun. So reading, I think that chapter is for most people the most fun chapter because you really get to have some really fun examples of like animals <laughs> and that bisexuality is probably the norm, not the exception. Then I talk about coming out and the big bisexual closet and invisibility. So what do bi spaces look like? How could they look? And uh, the inclusion of, for example, people of color and how we've failed at that and how, you know, that needs to change. And then politics, and so bisexuality around the world, things like human rights abuses, and how that is something we should all be working to fight. And that's one of the main drivers that I have for writing this book. And finally, relationship structures. And I end with things like threesomes and compulsory, co compulsory monogamy, because... It's one of the first questions we get asked, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is. Always, <laughs> always, always, always. Everyone thinks we're at it 24 hours a day, of course. Um, <laughs> and always want threesomes can't be monogamous. Yeah, and so absolutely. I have it as the last chapter because I know that lots of people have questions about this, but I wanted you to know the entire nuance of the bisexual <laughs> experience before you're allowed to read about the threesomes. <laughs> so you, have to earn, you have to earn the threesomes chapter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean... It, it's great that you're doing this book, and it's great that you've, you're tackling all these different all these different issues. It's it's sad in a way that we we ha well, I mean, to be honest, we st we'd still be able to write about stuff even even if everything was perfect. But what I mean is, it, it, it's it, it's still it's still quite annoying that we've got these battles on. And you mentioned the politics. Let's touch on that a little bit. Um, where do you where do you think the barriers are then in terms of in in terms of bisexual people getting traction getting voice you know people would a lot of people who are listening to this who aren't um who don't understand the lgbt world will probably automatically think that anybody who's lesbian or gay or trans or whatever would automatically be very supportive of of the bisexual world we know you know, yes, there are a lot of people who are supportive. Largely, I would think most people are. But we know there are problems, aren't there? There are issues. There are things that don't get talked about. And that I think sometimes the mainstream media runs away from because they, they think it's a little bit complicated. You explore that a bit, do you? Yes, I do. And I explore why it's been a political move often to exclude or include bisexual people within queer politics. And how, for example, in the post-war period after World War II, there was sort of a movement of queer lives finally being, well, I mean, they were still stigmatized and criminalized in most many parts of the world. But there was a bit of a revival also because some people had homosexual experiences during the war and because they were often in what are called homosocial environments. And so there was a real division of men who went out to fight and the women who stayed home. And so you were disproportionately with people of your own gender. And that 
that meant that much like prison changes how we view sexuality or changes how lots of people view their own sexuality. And it opens people up to the idea that perhaps because of a lack of the gender you're typically attracted to, well, maybe you look with different eyes at the same gender and you look and see maybe rom- romantic attractions where you wouldn't have before or sexual attractions where you wouldn't have before. So I wouldn't say that homosocial environments make people queer, but I think it changes our assumptions about availability and opens our eyes to feelings that we might not have identified as romantic or sexual before. And so that was happening during the war, as it often happens during wars. And so people came back maybe with a new sense of their own sexuality as well. But um, and so there was sort of a happy days of queer, at least where queer people were sort of united, I would argue. And then came the fight for gay rights, which obviously was really important. But as I chronicle in my book, there were some pretty explicit statements, not just by the queer community, but by politicians who were saying, oh, but you have all these bisexuals amongst you. What's next? You know, marrying dogs? I mean, it's a classic sort of also argument that has been put forward, unfortunately, for gay marriage, but or homosexual marriage. Um, But (laughs) it led to very obvious and direct biphobia because we complicated this, you are either gay or straight. And it's like, well, if this bisexuality exists, is it really immutable? Is it really something that can't change? Is it really something then that requires or deserves political protections? And so the queer community, the lesbian and the gay community sort of said, "Mm, we're going to distance ourselves from the bi's because we're trying to fight for these rights. Again, of course, not everybody, but there was a there's some pretty obvious and explicit um, archival f- footage as well of this, including in newspapers. So that was happening. And then in the 90s, there was a fracturing of the community and 80s and 90s because of AIDS. And there was the villainization, stigmatization specifically of by men as AIDS bridges. And um, and I, frankly, the queer community was dealing with so much death that... Um, we were fractured for lots of reasons and um, simultaneously fractured and scrambling to survive and support each other. But by people were often forgotten and it led to the creation of something, organizations, by organizations at that time, specifically to deal with the gaps in education, for example, that by men weren't receiving when it came to HIV AIDS and um, by women were often supporting by men to make it through these times. And of course, unfortunately, lots of our community died as well. But it's something that's not talked about very often. So basically, I think that the exclusion and inclusion comes in waves. And every 25 years, there's another conversation about bisexuality as a real thing, an important thing. And we're currently at one of those moments. Yeah, I mean, it's continuing, isn't it? You know, constantly, um, you see uh, bisexuality being erased. We seem to take, take a few steps forward. You think, oh, there's something, you know, there's some something in the news about something bisexual. I think, oh yeah, that's interesting. And uh, you think, we've, you know, somebody else has come out as as bi or whatever it may be, and then suddenly, bang, it, it's erased again. So, you know, uh, in the news, I think this week, there's uh, in the LGBT press, there's a lot of talk about the Siegfried Sassoon film that's out at the moment. Now, by all accounts, um, we, we don't know completely because nobody knows him. You know, obviously there are people who've done research, but what I mean is, we—I don't think nobody knows overall whether he was definitely one hundred percent bisexual. But certainly, certainly his experiences that we know of 
were with men and women, and yet he's labelled by the LGBT press straight away completely as gay. Um, it's the same with Oscar Wilde. You know, Oscar Wilde had, you know, straight and gay experiences. He's labelled completely as gay. Our, our, we, we did an interview not so long ago with the, uh, the vet of the, uh, of the tortoise who's, who's 100, 190 years old or whatever. And he, by, by all accounts, and you were talking about the animal kingdom, he's bisexual. But no, according to the LGBT press, he's now gay. So, you know, we, we, we're struggling, aren't we? We're still struggling to get bisexuality um, on the map. And it, it's weird. In 2022, I find it I find it odd. I also find it odd that we've got a you know we've got a media in terms of drama and comedy and all sorts of different things who cover all sorts of different aspects of different things today, but they still run away from the bi. You, you'll get a bi character emerges, and then suddenly they'll either be killed off or made gay or whatever it be. And that the, the 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 writers seem to struggle with being able to write these storylines, which I find odd when you think about the complexity and the interesting lives that bisexual people have, which could be really, really intriguing for any um, viewer or listener or whatever. What's what's going wrong, Julia? Where What have we got to do? What do we do to try and make sure that um, the bi does get traction, as well as obviously writing you know, your fantastic book and doing what we do? What's, what's next? Because you talked there about having a bi community. There isn't really one yet, is there? It doesn't ex- it doesn't exist yet? Oh, I don't know. I think there is a budding bi community, and there have been efforts to create a bi community certainly since the late '80s. Uh, as I said, often coming out of I think the need for community in the face of HIV/AIDS. But um, bi spaces and bi activists have certainly been at it since for a while, including in the '90s, where I mean LGBT that was fought for <laughs> in the '90s. There were bi activists who fought for the inclusion of the B. And also, the history of that is, well, I think it's funny. It's a, it must have been incredibly depressing at the time. But there was so much pushback specifically from lesbians in the queer community to keep, they kept pushing out the B that there's a couple of organizations that had the B included, then removed it again, and then put it back in. So you can really see these conflicts playing out also in how communities are labeling themselves, and whether the B is included or not. But from that, you would have hoped that there would be visibility that was permanent. And there should be because we do say LGBT plus, right? The B is always there, even though we do, as you say, sort of jump over it. I think there is more willingness to write by characters. For a while, by characters were almost exclusively uh, vampires. There's a whole literature on bisexual vampires and villains. And we were the sort of duplicitous, manipulative, hypersexual anything goes kind of characters but even that there's a film studies sort of interpretation of that that I've come across a few times now which is that that shouldn't be taken at face value that if we take those characters as subversive as challenging heteronormative assumptions and as kind of badass characters who are willing to live outside of society's norms and make their own rules, it can actually be more empowering than it sort of looks on the surface. So I think we need to be careful not to assume that in some ways negative representation is negative. Does that make sense? Kind of like Villanelle in Killing Eve. Like is a bisexual character, is definitely a psychopath and a murderer, but we kind of love her and isn't all bad for the community. So uh, there's that. And I think 
I mean, you are seeing things like the politician on Netflix where most characters are fluid or some version of bi. Um, there's the bisexual. I mean, there have been whole series, not many, but a couple that have tried to talk about and represent bisexual characters. And I think it is changing. I think we're seeing it more. There's still a reluctance to say the word bi, though, isn't there? It, I, I still cheer when someone actually says bisexual. I saw something yesterday and someone said Oh, she's bisexual. And I was like, oh, my God, they said it. They didn't dance around this word as if it's some sort of insult. <laughs> so that that still needs to change. But I think I think we're starting to see some change. And we're also seeing, I mean, for the first time ever, we're seeing way more bisexual and pansexual identified people in politics, for example. I mean, that that just didn't happen before. People were forcefully outed. But people didn't really come out as bi. And so that that's a change in the last couple of years, including in the UK, that I think is incredibly positive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the thing is, though, is, you know, we, you and I are having this discussion now and the people who listen to Bisexual Brunch, 99% of them, I think, are probably, you know, are, 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 are bisexual. And also we can have these discussions, and I've had them for many years, in academic circles and chattering class circles and, and all the rest of it. The, the people I uh, am concerned about are the people who are just genuinely just getting on with their lives and they are pushed into and live in this sort of heteronormative world that pushes them into a, a certain direction whether say whether it's heteronormative or homonormative or whatever you know they, they're in this binary world where they feel as though they have to make a decision or make a choice or settle down with somebody or whatever it may be and they never have those conversations they're not able to have those conversations about the fact that you know, they don't necessarily want to go and sleep with lots of people, but actually they do fancy other people of other genders. And they can't even have that conversation with somebody within their own, you know, their own relation, you know, relationship they're in, they're in with a you know, partner kind of thing. It's those people that I worry about. And it, it's, the, you know, there must be a huge mental health issue over this that we know that we really have, that really hasn't been tackled. Because if you spend your entire life, and we've come across several people like this who, you know, in their 60s and 70s, they're finally revealing, finally realising that they, or, or actually being open about being bisexual, but they've done nothing about it throughout their entire life. You know what I mean? It, it must be, it, 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 it's, it's bound to have had an effect on, on your day-to-day -day life, on your, you know, you know what I mean? That's what I worry about. And that's why I think we do need to get um, the, the, the bisexual uh, discourse um onto a onto a different level and you're absolutely right about the whole thing of um the struggle to say bisexual it's as though we we everyone skirts over it we people talk about fluidity they talk about not wanting to be labeled all sorts of things it's like we, we can mention that the lg and the t but something about that word bisexual even pansexual seems to get mentioned more than bisexual a lot of the time and i don't have a problem with that because bisexuality and pansexuality are all in the same sort of spectrum and area and i think we're all you know i think we're all connected but you know it's 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 strange isn't it but i mean i, I suppose i don't have a problem with people calling calling themselves fluid or 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 um you know or um you know, not being wanting to be labelled or whatever, but 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 at the at the end of the day, um, the word bisexual is quite clear, isn't it? And it feels to me that everyone's worried about being clear about what we're talking about here. That's the that's the problem. Do you, do you know where I'm coming from? It's a sort of a, it's a worry. People are people people are worried they they're going to nail themselves to the mast that if somebody if you suddenly come out and say I'm bisexual. You've sort of labelled yourself in a way that 
is negative. When I say negative, there's nothing wrong with people being promiscuous at all. People want to be promiscuous; they can be, and everybody in every gender, every sexuality and gender can, you know, can be. It's not a problem. But there is a negativity around it in terms of stigma in society. And I think if you say, "Oh, I'm bisexual," you get this whole thing of people thinking, "Oh, well, you know, they're obviously they're obviously promiscuous. They can't, you know, they they, they can't settle down." Um, you know the thing we get a lot a lot of the time Lewis often speaks on on social media and Nikki doesn't work people say and I do as well occasionally and and people say things like um, you know why do you have to shout about it all the time why you know what's the need you know nobody's bothered everyone just do your own thing nobody's nobody's interested but you know nobody goes around with a bee on the head you know a friend of mine recently came out to me as as bisexual he's in a very difficult situation he can't be open on, in any way, shape, or form, quite a complex situation actually. Um, but you know, it would really help him if he was able to get over that hurdle uh, and be able to express and people to allow him to express the B and people to understand that. So uh, that's a long-winded, um, <laughs> long-winded um, explanation of what I'm trying to say. But do, do you know where I'm coming from on all of that? Yeah, the issues around using the word bi, I think, are often from an internalized biphobia and an experience of biphobia when you do try to use it and seeing other people talk about it. So you're, as you say, there are negative stereotypes that most bisexual people who have talked about it to others have unfortunately encountered. Or we've seen, you know, the erasure in the media, in shows, in in Sex and the City famously, you know, I think uh, bisexuality was invented by Bacardi. You know that kind of stuff, like to sell to sell alcohol. I saw, a, I saw, a, I saw. For example, I saw a, saw on a forum recently a young girl who was about she must be about twenty two, twenty three, and she's bisexual, and she just she she was she every week she was coming, um, you know, coming onto the forum telling stories about experiences and whatever. At the end of it, she says, "You know what? I've had enough of this. I'm just I'm literally just going to tell everyone I'm gay from now onwards. I've had enough." I've had enough of the arguments, I've had enough of the myths, enough of the challenges, enough of the, you know, having to explain everything all the time. And that's terribly sad, isn't it? That people should have to possibly deny their sexuality because the world just cannot cope with with things being, you know, nuanced and different, you know. But that's also how people still react, but more in the past reacted to people saying that they're gay or lesbian. So I think we're maybe about 20 to 30 years behind the conversation around homosexuality um, in in the UK, where, you know, in work, if we look at research on workplaces and discrimination of bisexual people there and how few people, basically nobody is out as bi in the workplace, most people aren't out as bi anywhere, <laughs> but they're especially unlikely to be out in the workplace. And that's compared to gay and lesbian people. And one of the reasons for that is that it's seen as talking about your sex life. But think about, you know, being a gay person in the 80s, in the 90s, or even the noughties, you, you know, you might very likely have received exactly that same comment of, you know, coming out as gay to your colleague and them saying, why are you telling me about your sex life? And that has of course, that still happens, but it happens more for bisexual people and less for homosexual people at this point. So there's been a, a realization that homosexuality is an identity. It's a, you know it's how you live your life. It's making sure that if you come out, you want to bring your whole self to work, and that authenticity is important to you. But for bisexuality, we don't accept it quite the same way yet. And so that's what needs to change. But the only way that can change is, unfortunately, just like lots of homosexual people took it upon themselves to keep saying it, keep saying I'm gay, keep saying I'm not beating around the bush with it. 
and fighting for, you know, the activism and fighting for the the voice that you need to have in order to be seen and heard. Unfortunately, that's just where we are right now. And yeah, it's not great. And yeah, that means that lots of people have worse psychological consequences right now in the bi community than in other queer communities because we feel isolated. There's higher rates of anxiety and depression. There's less connection with a queer community that can support and help people deal with being different and being stigmatized. And all of that needs to change, but it can only change if we keep talking about it. And I don't think that minority or groups or populations need to take the whole weight of change upon themselves, but we do need to take some of it. And if you are able to and have a privileged enough life that it's not going to put you in danger to say that you're bi, keep doing it. Because there's so many people around the world who can't. And frankly, they need our voices too. Otherwise, they will also never be heard. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, on a, just on a lighter side, just to finish off, um, you, you, you come at this from a slightly different angle in the sense that your, your background is in criminology. So, um, <laughs> and you hinted a little bit there about the stories of uh, bisexuals and crime and all the rest of it. Um, is there a connection? Uh, do you see a connection in any of that? Is, is, is your, your, your training in that area helped you to investigate all this? You know, tell, tell, tell us a bit about that. Absolutely. So starting my master's in queer histories, one of the first lectures we had, I was given this massive case file. <laughs> it was just like, it's just like being an expert. Uh, basically, because a lot of queer history is written in criminal records, because that's, that's how queer stories, unfortunately, were recorded. And other stories, you know, other stories went missing, or people didn't feel able to write them down or just were erased in various ways. And so the criminal records are a way of finding queer people in history in places where it was illegal, which is most places. It's also relevant to the continued criminalization of homosexual acts and queer people around the world where human rights abuses are still perpetrated by states. And there are some specific and unique implications for bisexuality that I tease out in the book because I think there's this assumption, well, I know that there's this assumption, including from, you know, legal decision makers, that, well, if you're bi, then just just be straight. Because you can just choose to ignore the other part of you, the illegal part of you, as if you're half-half, right? As if you're half-gay, half-straight. And there's a real need for understanding and education within legal just areas so that people, including people who review asylum claims, make informed decisions and realize that you can't just choose to not be bi, just like you can't just choose to not be gay, which is something that lots of people already understand. So there are unique aspects of the bisexual experience that are unfortunately related to criminal psychology and our understanding of, you know, who does bad things to whom and why. And the villainization of bisexuality is, you know, perverted as not real, as um, us being cheaters and all those things. Those all touch on othering and things that we know from criminal psychology that we do to people we don't like and that help us to justify crimes against them. So unfortunately, there is there's lots of overlap. Not that this book is all bad. <laughs> it's all it also it's also that crimes like sexual assault are perpetrated more commonly against bisexual people, specifically bisexual women. So that all of that is really important to talk about. But this book is ultimately also a celebration. And I really wanted to make sure that I talk about, yes, the negative, because it also arms us with information and facts to be like, this is why this is important. And this is why this conversation needs to happen. And it needs to continue to happen now. 
And simultaneously, I want people to feel like, wow, there's so much. And look at all these people. And look at all this research that's happening. And people who are taking this seriously and talking about their experiences and coming together in such a beautiful way. And so to end on, I guess, um, I'd like to end on also the positive psychology, which sure is under research in general, but there is some research on, you know, what are your favorite aspects of bisexuality? So asking by plus people what they like about it. And the word that most often comes up is freedom. And I have to say, I, I also perceive it as freedom. I wrote this book not because I hate being bisexual and because I'm, you know, just fed up and angry. It's because I love being bisexual. And I think it's such a shame that other people don't see it as an option for themselves and stigmatize it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And all the people we've spoken to, uh, including the three of us, you know, that is the, that's the main thing that comes up is the whole thing of, of, of freedom. But also the ability, I suppose, to, I think it's, it's, it's well, it's freedom as well, isn't it? It's liberating to be able to um, understand and see people in different ways and to understand that people across the board are attractive in different ways. And there's lots of different, you know, again, it's nuanced, but there are, you know, there there is... Um, you know, uh, sexual attraction. There is emotional attraction. There's all sorts of different attractions out there, and I think being bisexual makes you think of it in a different in a different way. Um, so yeah, no, absolutely. We must celebrate being bisexual. Um, just back to your own experience, though, Julie. When did you realise you were bisexual? Were you quite young, or is it been in more recent times? Or I have a rather unusual experience in that I never thought I was heterosexual. I don't really know why. There's no reason for it. I didn't know any bi people or monosexual, actually. I also didn't think I was lesbian. Um, I just always knew that I wasn't straight. It was just, like, obvious. <laughs> don't really know why. So even when I played house, like, as a kid, I'd alternate being the dad and the mom, like, relationship structures, family structures. It was whatever you make it. And I think for a long time, I assumed that one day I'd grow up and live in a commune. Also, no idea where I got that thought from, because that is not something that was in my environment. And I, yeah, I can't, apparently, I had my my first partner, my first uh, relationship was with a woman, a fellow uh, student in my class when I was 15. And apparently I taught her the word bi. So I don't even know where I know these words from, but I knew that I was bi forever. And I came out. It took me a while to come out. I came out because my mom caught us. And so I came out to her. because She's like, you've been spending a lot of time with Sarah. <laughs> we, we were sneaking around, which we recently talked about as well, whether we would have done that if we were a mixed sex couple. And we both agreed that we wouldn't have. So that was an interesting conversation to have like last week. And, and I came out when I was sort of in my mid-20s to more people. And then I came out publicly in my 30s. And that's quite late. And we see that in bisexual coming out stories quite often is that bi people come out about 10 years later than homosexual people on average. And that's, I mean, there's lots of reasons for it. But it's, yeah, but my own trajectory was very much, I've always known, but I haven't always been out. Interesting. Fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm sure um, everyone will be rushing now to get your book. How can they actually get hold of it? What's the best way? Uh, it, I mean, if you type in by Julia Shaw... The I, Julia Shaw, not by, not by me. Uh, you should be able to find it really easily. So it should be available in all good bookshops. There's also a BBC miniseries that I'm doing called By People with Sophie Hagen, which comes out one a week, once a week in June during Pride Month. And um, we'll be covering lots of fun and interesting and crimey by stories 
because it's related to a true crime podcast I have also with Sophie Hagen called Bad People. Okay. And is that going to be, that's going to be a BBC Sounds, is it? Will it be a BBC Sounds thing? Yeah, it's, 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 po- it's a podcast, is it? That's what it it's is. It's a podcast. Yeah. It'll be BBC Sounds and it should be on Spotify. Fantastic. Good stuff. Julia, it's been lovely to talk to you. I wish you the best of luck with it. Hope, hope it goes well. And it's great that you've got already got traction in Germany. That's uh, brilliant to be able to, is it, you've got it published in German as well as in, in English, have you? Yeah, it's coming out in, well, it came out in German and it's coming out in Italian and in Portuguese in Brazil. Because oh, it's fantastic. a big bi-research community in Brazil and in the US and the UK. And yeah, I'm really excited about just seeing where it goes and raising all these voices out of the dark. Because I quote a lot in this book on purpose so that I let people speak for themselves. And then that being translated is just such a wonderful feeling to help people have a voice in different languages. Brilliant. Thank you very much indeed for joining us on Bisexual Brunch. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Julia Shaw there, whose new book is out this week. And still to come on Bisexual Brunch, we've got our Ask a Bisexual feature, in which Lewis and I will be uh, answering uh, a a three-pronged question. Uh, But before that, um, it's Lewis Hopkins. Lewis Hopkins is 23 years old and comes from Manchester in the north of England. And this time it's his personal bisexual journey story. That's coming next. You're listening to the Bisexual Brunch Podcast. Suicide is sadly something which affects people from all backgrounds. I am a journalist and broadcaster and I'm 37 years old. I live in London with my husband. I'm originally from West Yorkshire. About five years ago, I had a single episode of psychosis which led to suicidal ideation. I'm Devan Rees and I've been an actor for over 10 years. And some of you might know me from playing YOLO on a Welsh soap called Publicum. And this... Is Life Matters. Brought to you by the Zero Suicide Alliance. We'll have our personal story from bisexual journalist Nikki Hodgson. I certainly felt like I can't live like this anymore. I don't think I was supported very well looking back. They didn't really look at the stress. They didn't really look at some things that were going on at home that weren't particularly great and my relationships with my parents at that time. Our aim with these shows is to discuss solutions and raise awareness of very important issues which touches many of us. This is Life Matters with Dovan Rees, radio presenter Daryl Morris, and Professor Alice Roberts. Listen within your podcast provider by searching for Life Matters and visit zerosuicidealliance.com for a free online awareness course that could help you save lives. Bisexual Brunch is produced with love by MIM. And if you like what we do, why not support us on Patreon? Visit patreon.com forward slash bisexualbrunch. Thank you. So it's another bisexual journey story on Bisexual Brunch. And this time we're talking to Luke, not his real name, from Greater Manchester in the United Kingdom. Bisexuality then. Um, Is this something that you've realised recently? Or was it something that you always knew? Um, well, that's, uh, it's not so black and white, that question, is it? Because I suppose once you actually come to terms with being bisexual, all of these past uh, sort of experiences and memories start coming back to you in a different, in a different light. Um, so I'd say for me, I've really only realised and been out for two years, maybe. Um, but when I actually look back to, you know, primary school age, 
I was always interested in boys and girls. Um, did, obviously, at that age, you don't have the the tools or the experience to know really what any of that means. Do you, you know? Um, so, in high school, sort of, say year seven, year eight age, which is like eleven to thirteen for anyone who's not in the UK. Um, I sort of asked that question: Am I gay? Because I had no idea what bisexuality was. I think probably if you asked me, do you know what a bisexual is? If I was prompted, I'd probably be able to guess. But no one ever spoke about bisexuality. It was straight or it was gay. Nobody even talked about uh, gender identity. It was just pure sexuality. That was it. And I grew up around um, a, a lot of uh, like lesbian couples, a lot of gay people. My family never hid it from me. This is purely just what we were taught, you know, in the education system. Um, so when I came to that age, all I did was ask myself, am I gay? And I remember it was, you know, it was a kind of an emotional thing because although there were no negative connotations directly attached to being gay for me, it was just, I don't know, it was probably just the struggle with identity. Um, but because I was interested in girls, I was like, well, I like girls, so no, I'm not gay. And then that was it. It just went in a little box at the back of my brain for the next five or six years. That was it. But I was always, and all, and when I say always, I mean always, totally okay with being in touch with my feminine side. I was totally okay with acknowledging if other men were attractive or not, if I found them attractive or not. Um, on nights out, you know, sometimes the guys would get a little bit drunk and we'd just kiss each other, only a peck, but you know. Um, and I was comfortable with all that. I was never insecure about anything, but it was it wasn't until... I don't know, maybe uh, end of 2019, start of 2020, especially when coronavirus kicked in, that I really sort of thought to myself, maybe I should start thinking about this again. Yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so, so, so the straight side sort of sort of cancelled out the other side, basically, didn't it? It was a sense of, well, if I like girls, then I must be, I must be straight. I can't possibly be gay kind of thing. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you are, a, you know, obviously you're not doing anything sexual at that age, but you do develop, don't you, as you go on through through your early years and you're sort of, um, I don't know, 10, 11, 12, up to say 15, you do develop sort of quite close friendships, don't you, with, with, with boys and girls. And and sometimes that gets a little bit confusing and not quite sure what it all means, that kind of thing. And I certainly, I certainly had close friendships with guys and, you know, and it verged on being sort of a bit, you know... Do I fancy them? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's sort of, you're not sure what it's about, really, but you know that when they're not there, you miss them, and all those kind of things, you know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a strange old world, the growing up thing, isn't it, really, in that sense? So, okay, so you so you were in that situation, so, so what what happened then in terms of relationships? What, was, was your, presumably, your first proper relationship was with, with, a, was with a girl, was it? Yeah, yeah, I've only actually had long-term relationships with females, people who identify as being female. Um, yeah. so yeah, that was, that was it really. I mean, I had relationships throughout high school, which, you know, that's, that's its own category in, its, in itself, isn't it? <laughs> um, I had a long-term relationship leaving college, um, which was obviously my first adult relationship that was with, uh, a female, a girl, woman. Um, and then since that broke off, I... It was obviously, this was, you know, before I'd really properly thought about my sexuality, yeah. there were girls and stuff. Yeah. And then, yeah, ever since I sort of 
was um, considering whether I'm bisexual or whether I'm gay or whether I'm straight, again, for the second time in my life, I um, I just started trying to branch out, really, you know, experiment, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're in a relationship at the moment? No, I'm not. I haven't actually been in a relationship since my last, um, right. which was a couple okay. of years ago. Um, okay. But there's been things. So you're free as a bird at the moment. <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> Very good, very good. So, um, all right. So, in those, let's let's explore the relationships with the girls. And so, in those relationships with the girls, with the women that you went out with, did you ever? You were obviously very comfortable within them and didn't have a, a, a problem with any of it. Was there any times in those relationships when you felt, oh, there's something missing, or they thought, actually, you know what, there's more to you than meets the eye? Because sometimes girls do get this; they do realise what you know, that guys are bisexual or whatever. Was there any signs? Was there any, anything that, that sort of stood out in those relationships? Um, I don't know, really. For me, um, looking back, there might have been a couple of things that I could have said that might have been okay, but I've been with people who don't really try and seek for, like, an underlying truth, you know, um... So in my actual adult relationship, you know, I, there was no um, embarrassment when it came to wanting to know about things that were maybe associated with a, a woman, you know. So if they were, if they wanted to go shopping and look at female clothes, I wouldn't be bothered about that. Um, if they wanted to go makeup shopping, I'd be, I'd take an interest in their female interest, but they'd never brought up any questions. I know that's a stereotype, you know, obviously you don't have to be feminine, but um People like stereotypes, don't they? And I think if I were to do something like that, people would try and stereotype it. But nobody ever did. Or none of my, you know, partners ever did. Uh, so I suppose, no, not really. Um, no, no. Okay, okay. So and so now you're you've come to terms, or you realise that you are actually bisexual and embracing it. And uh, we'll talk about the whole dating thing and everything in a moment. But are you actually open to? Everybody, everybody who's close to you about being bisexual now? Um, so for me, I'm not the kind of person who would come out. You know, I, I mean, I came out to my mum because I kind of think that's, you know, it, it yeah. should be like that in a way. You're, 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 now, you're now doing it on uh, national, sorry, international radio all around the world, of course, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing. Uh I think for me, doing something like this, which has a, a meaning behind it, which I think is important, especially for people who are my age and identify as being male, yeah. there is a, a really underrepresented population of bisexual people. So I kind of yeah. do think there's a, a purpose and a meaning behind that. But also, I'm the t I'm, if someone asked me, I wouldn't lie. No. Uh, no. that's just sort of like how I see it. I'm not like the come out on a Facebook post kind of person. What was your mum's reaction? Uh, my mum's reaction was surprisingly, um, I don't really know. It was surprisingly not that sort of like wow moment. She wasn't like, uh, oh, I, I knew all along, but she also wasn't like, wow, this is a great surprise. She was just sort of open to learning because even in her mind, it's always been sort of like gay or straight. So she was more asking questions like, well, what does this mean? Um, and every now and then she'll ask questions. It was only on Thursday. She was asked, she, her, her, one of her 
um, perceptions of bisexual people was that they can't actually have a monogamous relationship. So we talked about that. And that was, you know, information to her. And she was like, oh, okay, right. I understand that a little bit more. And that's all it takes, really, is asking, telling people, uh, having somebody speak about something who's experienced it for people to actually know. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, but, but it's, don't, isn't it strange and quite scary in a way? I mean, it, it, when you think about it, because the term bisexual has been around for donkey's years. And yet so few people know much about it or it's just not talked about, which I find quite, quite weird. We, we, we do live in this binary world, don't we, where everyone thinks in terms of black and white, straight and gay, good or bad, whatever, you know what I mean? It's quite, it, 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 is, it is a strange old thing, really, when you think about it. Okay, so you've decided, right, okay, the, the, the lockdown came along and you, you started to think about things and you're single now. Um, had you or have you or, you know, tell us a bit about the whole thing of, you know, dating men um, as opposed to dating or, you know, going out with women. You know, had up to that point two years ago, had you actually been with a guy at all in any way, shape or form? Uh, yeah, so uh, I think for me, the, the biggest difference that's presented itself is just, I think it's a bit difficult. If you're like a, if you're a romantic Okay, and I'm not saying I am a romantic, but this is just how it could be perceived. If you're a romantic and you're bisexual, I think um, with women, there's a bit more um, sort of, there's a lot more dancing around things. There's a lot more protocol. There's a lot more step by step. uh, Whereas with men, men just want to get down to it. (laughs) And if they want to get down to it, you can sometimes be confused as to whether that's just what they want or do they actually like you or do I actually like them? And so I think there can be a little bit of confusion there. It's definitely two separate things, but everybody's different. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's it's difficult to really put a, each gender into its own dating category because it's, it's all yeah. very different. If I'm lucky enough to be um, quite... I don't want to say confident because confident has the wrong connotations these days, but I was, I was quite calm when it came to putting myself in a situation with the opposite sex for the first time. Um, because I don't know, maybe I'm just (laughs) a little bit more open to new experiences, I suppose. Right. Okay. I mean, it's interesting what you say, because when I, I, I sort of, um, I, I'm the opposite to you in the sense that I, started off in relationships with men and then sort of worked my way towards women kind of thing later on. So a lot, I sort of ended up having a lot of relationships within the, you know, the gay scene quite early on. And my big issue was always really, and you probably got glean this from the, from the shows when you've been listening, was always really that I, I, I didn't really like the whole sort of wham, bam, thank you, ma'am kind of thing that, you know, it was literally, straight into bed and that was it and but I went along with it because that was what everyone did you know what I mean it's like just the norm that happens but then I was always disappointed as to where does it where does it go next or does it go anywhere next or you know is that it or whatever whereas so so actually in a way I would think there's probably quite a lot of gay men actually out there who would probably appreciate that sort of the world that a lot of bi men have probably learned through, you know, dating women in the sense of, you know, it being a gradual process kind of thing in a way. So, 
you know, over time we might, um, you know, that, that might develop and be quite nice actually in a way. Because I think my problem was always, you know, just going out on nights out, nightclubs and things like that. And just always being disappointed at the end of it that, yeah, I've enjoyed myself, I've had some fun. But actually it's gone nowhere. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know. Uh, it speaks volumes that within the uh, gay community with uh, gay men and with lesbians also like you'll hear them say oh yeah I was in a three month relationship that's long for a gay person and you think what? obviously as a a bisexual newcomer you're thinking what do you you mean? three months is like is there something and it's just because people are are much easier going to bed with the same sex than they are the opposite sex. There's, yeah. there's, there's like a mutual same sex agreement or something that just says that it's it's just a nod, a nod and a wink, isn't it? And yeah, wink. yeah. But, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, of course not. But no. like I say, it can confuse things when it comes to romance, when it comes to feelings, when it comes to relationships. Yeah. I mean, when I I lived in I lived in the village in Manchester um, back in the nineties and whatever. God. And, uh, <laughs> I bet that was amazing. You could literally walk down. You could walk down the street to get yourself a pint of milk or something in the local spa and pull on the way back. Do you know what I mean? It was just like that. Literally, you'd see somebody on the other side of the road. You'd look at each other, and the next thing thing you'd be in bed together. It was just. It's like a Russell T Davis show. Yeah, that's men, isn't it? That, that's men generally. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like with women. I'm sure Nikki would probably tell us some interesting stories. I'm sure, but. I, you know, that is blokes. That's what men are like. So, okay. So how have you gone about trying to meet people then? Is it been a case of, you know, obviously during lockdown, it's very difficult to meet people, meet anybody, wasn't it? So, yeah. And I work from what, home what as well. You know, I'm, I'm self-employed. And uh, so I can't even meet people through, uh, you know, work or something like that. So I don't know, really. I mean, I'm not because everything that's been going on at the moment, I've not really put myself out there massively. Uh, so I think really the only way you can meet people at the moment is through people you already know. Yeah. You know, uh, and also I suppose going out as well, just like nights out and stuff like that. So you haven't gone down the route of, of, of doing things like Grindr and Tinder and all that kind of stuff? Um, n- no, I mean, I did download Grindr, but purely just because I thought I'm new to this whole scene. I've got to see what it's about, you know. I've not, I mean, I haven't used it at all. I've just looked at it and seen what happens and it is a, it's, it's interesting. (laughs) It's like a different world, isn't it? It's like the black market of gay sex. It's crazy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there are a lot of bisexual people on there, actually. Um, You know, but unfortunately they get, they either get fetishized a lot of the time because there are gay men out there that like the idea of, basically a bisexual guy for some reason you know sort of it's I think it's that, that's that straight thing they like the idea yeah. of somebody being a little more on the straight side exactly so you get that or you get people who are completely anti and it's like don't talk to me because you're bisexual you're gonna cheat you're gonna but even yeah, then not. both of those are stereotypes from our own community yeah and another thing that grinder made quite apparent to me is that when you go on there, gay men all open, you know, they tell themselves a bit, they treat it like it's a dating website. They've got pictures of themselves, stuff like that. Yeah, you get the other, haven't. But on average, males who are bisexual, especially my age, they're just like blank profiles. No name, maybe just a name and an age, no picture, barely any information, no social media links, nothing like that. And it's because they, I think it's a bit of an identity crisis. Because they feel like if they're out as a bisexual person, then maybe they'll have to change something about them. 
You know, do I have to act gay? Do I have to act half gay and half straight? You just have to be yourself. And and I think that's a message that I would really want to, you know, get across today on this podcast is that you don't have to change who you are. You've always been that person. Just because you come out, just because you like sleeping with men and women, it doesn't all, you know, potentially any gender any gender yeah yeah i think i think the thing is for a lot of them actually it it is the fact that well probably 90% of them are probably in relationships with women are either ma- they're either married or whatever and they find that really difficult to sort of you know and that's what we're finding more and more on on bisexual brunch that there's quite a lot of people who haven't come on on air to talk to us to talk openly yet but they're in touch with us and they're talking about the fact that they're having to you know confront uh, their bisexuality within their relationships with with women. Now, some of the women have been great, been fantastic. They've been, you know, they've said things like, you know, like, oh, I always knew, or you know, it's great, or they've embraced it. But of course, for you know, there's a certain amount of women who will be horrified by it, and you know, that, I think that's where the when I talk, you know, we mentioned before, I we we came on air and we mentioned the tip of the iceberg. I think that's where the tip of the iceberg is. You know, what I mean, when I'm stood here, um, sorry, sat here in the week doing bits and bobs of work because I'm, I'm self-employed as well and outside is all these builders and I think to myself there's probably at least one or two of them who are bisexual who are in relationships you know married or whatever and probably haven't been able to at all tell anybody any way shape or form and that bottles up doesn't it, it builds up within you and at some point that will come out and um but the, the the sad thing is sometimes it doesn't come out in a gradual way in a in a nice way it, it sometimes people just then just they suddenly go from being being straight to being gay, if you know what I mean. I don't mean I don't mean they are gay; they're bisexual. But they sort of they they sort of um, turn their backs on one lifestyle and come and, and, and get into another lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? And actually, that's not helpful. It's we need to have this. We need to be able to have the conversation and mention the word bisexual, don't we? That's the point. Yeah, you know. And because of this lack of information about being bisexual and this lack of representation as well. These people, it's very easy to jump to the conclusion that they're just cheating on their partner, bisexual people, you know, they can't pick a side, they can't do this, they can't do that. But the reality is, is because they've had no education about it, because they've had no information or uh, experience on being bisexual, they there's a part of their, their mind which doesn't treat it like it's a real thing. They think that just sleeping with men is just like masturbating. It doesn't really mean anything, you know, like I'm not cheating on my partner. So rather than them being a bad person, it's 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 purely that they just don't know. Nobody's told them. And because it gets downplayed and because people uh, criticise and ridicule anybody who isn't straight, it's like a it's like a burden that they carry with them, masquerading as something that they're naive about yeah no absolutely there was um i was watching tv last night and um live at the apollo was on and um the comedian tom ward was on and he was doing a a bit of a a bit of a little sketch about basically um you know bisexuality pansexuality straight gay in fact there's all these different terms and whatever it's actually quite funny and i don't you know I've, i've not uh, you know, I, I'm not going to cancel him because he got something slightly, slightly out of sync. But um, there was there was one bit where he said that some guy had said to him um, that he'd um, he was bisexual because he'd thought about um, 
something to do with me. He thought he fancied somebody years before or something, and he thinks he's bisexual. And, and Tom was having the, having a go at this, saying, "Well, I, you know, I, I, I keep, I think about being a volunteer for whatever, but it doesn't mean make me a volunteer kind of thing." And I just thought to myself, "I, I can, I, you know, I laughed at it. I thought some of it was quite funny." But at the same time, that's upholding the stereotypes, isn't it? That the fact that you can't actually that sexuality is only about doing something. It's not about having, you know, at the end of the day, sexuality is about our personalities and our feelings and things. It's not just about who you jump into bed with, is it? You know what I mean? That person who is human, who has emotions, who wants relationships because they're not straight. Exactly, exactly. So I I just thought to myself, you know, it's... uh, I'm not one of these people who gets upset about that thing, you know, that kind of thing. Everyone, everyone's got different ways of. And comedy's comedy, and I think we can get a bit too a- anal about it. But it just shows you that that there are those stereotypes out there. People don't, people still don't quite um, understand that. So, and the other thing is about being bisexual is that there's different types of bisexuality, isn't there? Like there are different types of people who are pansexual and whatever. And we've talked about this on the show a few times, so I'm sure you know what's coming. Um, and that is the whole thing of, of, of you know, being um, sort of homo-romantic or, you know, sort of more romantic with maybe with men than women or women than men, more sexually attracted to one than the other kind of thing. Several people we've interviewed have said that they are, they'd rather have a relationship with a woman and sex with a bloke on a regular basis kind of thing. How does it fit for you? Are you do you see yourself as fifty fifty? Has it changed? You know, is it an evolving thing? You know, what where where are you with all that? So for me, I'm definitely like fifty fifty, really. Uh, but you know, for other people, it can be a spectrum, and I think also sometimes maybe saying fifty fifty isn't even that good. Maybe that's got negative connotations. Why can't it be? 200% you're 100% like women and you're 100% like men, you know, turn it into a positive. I think, like I say, any gender identity, any sexual identity these days is acknowledged to be on a spectrum. Take Eddie Izzard, for example, when asked yeah. about uh, their pronouns, they say, well, one day I might be in my boy mood and I want to be he, him. And one day I might be in my girl mode and I want to be she, her. So... Yeah, yeah. You know, it's ever evolving, ever changing for some people. It may be fixed for some people, it may not be. But for me, I'm pretty much equal on both sides. Yeah, no, it's interesting, isn't it? And and of course that that but that thing of, and obviously everyone everyone's identity is complex. We know that. But sometimes I do feel as though the the gender and the sexuality thing gets a bit muddled and a bit mixed up in people's minds, and they don't, you know, because whenever I'm explaining to older relatives of mine what it all means they 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 get all that very they can't they couldn't understand the sexuality they get that bit once you explain it to them but then they they if the gender gets mixed up with that as well it's like well you know do you do you want to do you, do you actually have you know do you, do you want to be a woman do you want to dress as a you know it's like they don't actually get that you know it's it's a difficult one isn't it really and it all comes down to misinformation and miseducation again doesn't it it does yeah yeah no absolutely absolutely so have you yet then been out properly with a guy? Um, in a relationship way, no. I mean, I've not been out with a girl <laughs> in a relationship way since I've been single. No, I've. No. Uh, okay. So, no. Okay. So what? So far, you mentioned the fact that it 
the whole issue of um, it's slightly different in terms of um, the protocols and things like that, that you've noticed. Is there anything else that's different? Anything else that when you have managed to date a guy, maybe just on a one night stand or whatever, is there anything else that you've, you've noticed that's because that, a lot of bisexual people uh, contact us now, bisexual guys asking for advice on the whole thing of they've been with women for many years and they want to try and date guys and they don't quite know how to go about it. They don't quite know what's expected of them. So obviously the sexual side of things is an issue sometimes. And they're not sure how far they should go or what they, you know. So, it, I mean, I suppose at the end of the day, it's all about communication. We know that. But is there anything you've experienced or or thought that, you know, you that you could sort of, you know, convey to people as, as you know, what, you know, what you've come up against, as it were? Um, yeah, sure. So that question to me, it's, it, it brings back memories of when you were in like year seven or eight, you're a young teenager and you're asking somebody, what can I do to make this person like me? What can I do to make X go out with me? You know, and you, you, the thing that I always wanted to say to those people is just be yourself. If that, if you, you might like that person, but if you have to change to make them to like, to make them like you, they're not liking you for you. So to the people who ask the question, you know, how do I go about this? What should I do? Be yourself, do what's comfortable for you. This is what I did anyway. Do be yourself, do what's comfortable for you and you will meet the right person. You'll meet the right person. You you might get rejected a couple of times. Things might go badly a couple of times. But you avoided a situation where you weren't true to yourself. You avoided changing yourself to make somebody accept you. And, well, inadvertently, have a bad time. Um, so if you just do you, then you will come into a person eventually. You might get lucky first time round. <laughs> um, who can guide you through something be honest and be communicative as you've said uh but also be yourself and yeah i think it'll all just come naturally eventually with any of those people that you have met um have you been completely open and said that up front i'm bisexual to say the guys that you met have you said that you know what i'm trying to get at really is if you had any opposition to that oh bisexual kind of thing because there are gay men who are very anti-bisexual as we mentioned before yeah uh yeah yeah i'm i'm an open book as far as that is um so yeah it's it's sometimes it's not come up necessarily um or other times it's just come up casually i suppose yeah uh but i've never like gone i'm bisexual go easy on me (laughs) because i think that would then maybe reinforce any stereotypes that they previously held yeah 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 and have you went? And if they have, if they have been a bit sort of, oh, you know, a bit sort of not sure about you because you because they realise you are bisexual, have you managed to sort of, you know, have you have you put up a defence, as it were? <laughs> um, well, I mean, I I haven't actually come into anyone like that. I think for me, I'll I'll sort of do a bit of navigating to to figure out if I think they're going to be that person yes. anyway before yeah. putting myself yeah. in a situation where I'm likely to be. Yeah. targeted or vulnerable away. I mean it strikes me you're not from what you're saying you know you meet obviously it's difficult because we've had the uh, pandemic and you've been meeting people you were not able to meet people very easily at all obviously so you're in a situ- different situation but 
are you the kind of person that would or have you gone out into sort of the LGBT scene, you know, the gay village, those kind of things in the past? Is that something you would do? Yeah, yeah I've been yeah. out in gay village loads. It's great. Yeah. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I, even when I was straight, I was going out in, in village and I absolutely adore the place. It's amazing. It's such a, yeah, like yeah. compared to other places that I've been, it's always been the best night out. And yeah. I think it's just because of the the calibre of the people, the atmosphere of the nightclubs. It's just a lot better, really. Like the the drag queens who do the DJ in, in Bloom, every single one of them is absolutely savage and they just take the piss out of everybody there. And I think that's amazing <laughs> because everybody takes it on the chin and everybody takes it really well. And it's all just a laugh. It's great, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, you just said something there. You said, you said, well, even when I was straight. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, you were yeah, actually yeah. bisexual. Remember? Quote, unquote, straight, yeah. <laughs> um, but do you, do you realize, do you think, though, that I agree with you? I think it's great. It's great fun and all the rest of it once you've got your head around certain things. But do you think there are people who are, who are bi, possibly, who would go down there and not necessarily warm to it for example if they went into one of the clubs where or pubs where there was drag queens and the drag queens were having a go at them kind of thing you know do you think you know some people would find it hard wouldn't they some people might not find it that easy yeah sure um yeah i can de- i can definitely see that it can come across um maybe a bit much you know whether yeah. it's an atmosphere which is just a little bit too upbeat for someone or whether it's uh, people being shady like the drug queens and they just don't really know how to take it. Uh, yeah. But really, again, it comes down to individual personality types. I suppose there's there's going to be people out there who are gay and don't really like the community um, or don't really like certain aspects of the community. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, no, there are there are people like that. My partner's like that. He, he's not really into a lot of the, a lot of the scene. Uh, was I always managed to, to navigate it. So uh, for you then, you seem, I mean, you seem remarkably, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's remarkable because lots of people are, but you seem very at ease with your bisexuality. I can yeah. tell that you, have, you know, you, you, you are, you know, you've embraced it. You, 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 you like being bisexual. I can tell that straight away. Um, and was there a time when you mentioned it took you a bit to sort of decide that you were but was there a period when you when it was a little bit awkward and you felt as though you couldn't you didn't you know weren't really able to embrace it was it was it just that period when you were sort of um you've just felt as though because you like girls then the gay side didn't really come into it you know is it what i'm saying is has, has there been an awkward bit or have you always really just thinking about it going back really been quite comfortable with this whole thing of 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 liking men women any gender kind of thing so i i mean i'm i'm the kind of person who likes new things you know yes. i like to i like a new experience i like things like this so th- to me when i was kind of ex- experiencing that identity uh Price shift kind of like... yeah yeah it was kind of exciting but yeah obviously there were like very deep down feelings of probably internalized homophobia which is strange because i've never been homophobic like i say i've grown up around these relationships i've always known that it's normal it's totally okay it's more than okay i've always um had been in been active in the community i've always been an ally i've always been signing things to ban conversion therapy i've always been super active but I don't know. I think 
there was just this very slight feeling that made me feel, am I being an attention seeker? Am I, you know, am I, am I coming across as I'm an attention seeker? Because I never want to be that person. But I realised that that was just, just, I don't know. I don't really know what it was. It was probably just uncertainty. Mm, mm, mm. The, the, the unknown. But as I've come into accepting it, um, I'm not really that thing anymore because I know that I'm not an attention seeker. I know that I don't go out there trying to, you know, announce every single thing that I do. Yes. And I also know that if people want to be out and mega proud and they want to wear neon pink and they want to do whatever the fuck they want, then they can do that. And I also realise that back when I was a teenager, back when I was an ally, back when I wasn't out, I supported that anyway. So I had this brief lapse in self-confidence. Yeah. But it was very, very quickly sort of like stitched up. Well, it's like that issue, isn't it? You were talking about there about the internalised homophobia. And it's like that a little bit when it comes to the whole issue of, you know, um, when we started doing Bisexual Brunch, Nikki, Lewis and I, because we're all in uh, relationships, would constantly have to keep saying... You know, you know, most people are, a lot of people are in bisexual relationships are monogamous, you know. You know you're constantly having to say that. And it gets annoying after a while because actually there's nothing wrong with people who are having multiple partners and orgies and things if they want it. That's up to them, for God's sake. You know what I mean? That's the thing. If it's if it's okay in the relationship, yeah, sure, knock yeah. yourself out. Yeah. And, and, and let's face it, there are just as many promiscuous uh, gay people and straight people out there as there are bisexual people, you know what I mean? Yeah, there definitely is. <laughs> definitely exactly, is. You know. So it's just it's just ridiculous how we sort of start to sort of apologise for being ourselves, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it's pretty pretty annoying, really. So in terms of partners, then, this is your chance to um, uh, <laughs> to sell yourself to the world. Um, what, what, what kind of person do you think you... And we'll say person as opposed to male or female. We'll, you know, what kind of person are you attracted to? Who? What's the kind of person that floats your boat? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, because it's 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 never really so straight cut. I've never been with people who look the same or anything like that. So interesting. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm. I'm. I. I can. I couldn't say. <laughs> uh, I know. I know people like, especially in the gay community, people really like to put you in a category. They like to put you yeah, in yeah, yeah. twink, athletic, bear, otter. There's just so many. And it's it's difficult to keep up with, for one. Yeah. But also, I think it can be a little bit problematic. Um, I mean, people can do what they want. People can be who attracted to whoever they want. In saying in, in saying that about yourself, in saying that about yourself, um, the fact you, you, don't, you don't know and, and you know whatever, you're not, obviously not putting things in boxes and it's it's, it's, a per- it's a person that comes along at the end of the day isn't it whoever that may be but do you think that is we, we talk about this quite a bit now don't we um on the show about because because there's nothing to go at really as in there's not you know there's not lots and lots and lots and lots of by sort of role models or history or whatever but we're starting to sort of glean certain things from people we speak to about different things do you think that is part of being bisexual do you think we are much more generally and again it's a generalization but do you think we are much more open to um i suppose i don't know variety to nuance in relationships to not necessarily you know 
um, you know, there are people who are stereotypically good looking or people think they are, but, you know, um, we might be in a situation whereby somebody grows on us a bit more. Um, do you think what I'm trying to say is, do you think we are, do you think we look at relationships in a bit in a different way? Or is that is it too early to say that? I don't know, but maybe we do. Um, I'm not too sure. I don't. I wouldn't say it's maybe looking on relationships in a different way. I think it's maybe looking on relationships... Well, yeah, I suppose that would be in a different way. Yeah, because I think you have the experience of relationships with men and with women. You can take aspects of one relationship with one gender and sort of compare it to the other and maybe see in different ways and um and adapt in in different situations maybe different problems handled problems differently and you can take cues from one gender and maybe apply it to the other and maybe it works better i don't really know um because what I mean is, it doesn't. It's not about you know. Let's face it. You know, a lot of guys grow up. You know, wanting this certain type of woman. They like certain looks, and women are the same. They'll say you know they like a nice, nice tight ass and all these kind of. You know what I'm saying? It's very, very much based on the physical. And I'm sure we we can think the same way on men and women and different genders in different ways. But it's less about that, isn't it, for bisexual people in a way? Do you not think? Because we're not ju- we're not sort of. You know, we won't see a man and a woman in front of us and think, well, I don't know, maybe we do. I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm exploring this in the conversation here because I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> what do you think? Ah, uh, God, it's it's very strange, isn't it? Because, well, I mean, I should obviously, I should preface this with saying that I'm saying I'm bisexual and we're talking about men and women and stuff like that. But obviously there are more um, uh, gender identities and et cetera yes. out there. I mean, yeah. and, and it's quite strange, actually, because... Obviously, I'm saying that I don't really have a type as such, but I've also had times where I've, you know, looked at a non-binary person and spoken to and and got to know non-binary people and thought, oh God, do you know, I am actually, I think I might be attracted to them. Does that make me pansexual? But I know that some pansexual will identify as being bisexual. It's just a, it's just a term that's been around for longer. It kind of just... People, it's easy to, for people to poke fun at. Well, I mean, this is one thing we're going to discuss, actually, on the show going forward. Uh, it may be on the show, the very show that you're you're in. I don't know yet. I've not worked it out. So if anybody's listening to this and you've already heard this conversation, uh, you, you, you know where we're coming from. But basically, I, you know, I, I don't think there's a great deal of difference between bisexual and pansexual, really, to be fair. I think most people who, are bi, who, who think of themselves as, bi, as bisexual are probably pansexual, to be fair. What do you think? I think... Yeah, for sure. Because if you can appreciate masculine and feminine, then there's obviously that bit in the middle, that androgynous area, yeah, that non-conforming area that takes cues from both sides. There's obviously going to be an attraction there. And that's not to undermine pansexuality, of course. It is in of itself its own identity and bisexuality yeah. as well. But there are crossovers. Yeah, definitely. you know there are definitely. I mean, it's a bit, it, the two the two sexualities come as a Venn diagram, don't they? Really? Now you're now you're you're just starting out in all this adventure, as it were. Um, although you <laughs> you prepared yourself for it, what you know the world is changing. Hopefully, it's getting better. It's getting more liberal in terms of these kind of things. Bisexuality still has a long way to go, as we often discuss. And um, there are lots of people out there who are particularly older people, you know, in their 
40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, who've been in the closet for years and just haven't been able to be open about bisexuality, which is really, really sad. Hopefully that's going to change, but there are still people of your age and younger um, struggling with it, aren't they? The, you know, there are people who do find it very, very hard. What do you think we need to do to get more exposure, more discussion, more acceptance of bisexuality? Because however much we've come you know, we, we've we've travelled on this journey around sexuality and gender and all the rest of it. The B does seem to struggle in terms of getting heard, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, firstly, I think you mentioned just then people becoming more liberal. I think yeah. associating sexuality with politics is a bad thing to start with because in America, everything is about politics, okay? And it shouldn't be that way because here in the UK... Yeah, we might be a little bit awkward and stuff, especially when it comes to sexuality and sex and gender identity and stuff like that. It isn't actually associated with politics, you know, Um, whereas in America, it really is. It really, really is. Um, So I think, first of all, we should just totally disassociate politics and sexuality and gender identity for a start. That would just stop a lot of conflicts between people, a lot of... uh, points of um interest in uh where that people can can disagree on um you know because one party might have one gay person and the other party might have one gay person and they'll both use that against each other rather than saying well hang on a minute maybe uh maybe sexuality and gender identity is nothing to do with politics so first of all i think that would be a massive thing secondly We really, really, really need a comprehensive and non-awkward way of teaching kids about it. Whether that's a separate organisation, a charity organisation, which has people that are trained in teaching kids, go out to schools a couple of days a week in the year and teach these kids everything that they need to know. Because when I was in high school, and primary school even, year six, we had one sex education class and it was purely about how a baby is made. And in high school, we had one sex education class and it was about how a baby is made. We didn't even get taught to put a condom on or anything like that. And I was um, I was in the higher sets without sounding like a, you know. But the problem was that in the lower sets, they were teaching them, they did like another sex education class about how to protect yourself, about STDs, about how to put a condom on, about you know, extra stuff like that. And I think, what does that sound like to you? Well, it's it's a hierarchical thing, isn't it? It's basically suggesting that if you're from the lower end, then you must be more likely to... Yeah, you're not going to be interested in education. If you're you're a posh kid, then you're going to act a different way. Exactly, right. And that was like evident for me straight away. But I always thought, why don't they teach anything about gay sex? And so much so that... Most of the people from my year in my school who are gay, trans, uh, bi, lesbian, whatever, haven't come out until leaving high school. They don't teach you about safe anal sex. They don't teach you about douching. They don't teach you about uh, uh, lesbian sex. They don't teach you about how a man and a man can have a baby. They don't teach you about how a woman and a woman can have a baby. They don't teach you anything about that whatsoever. I mean, they don't even teach safe heterosexual sex. Or sex for fun. They don't teach anything. And I think that is such a big problem. But they definitely, definitely don't speak about gender identity. And 
being trans and that is a massive problem and especially in my school as well and this is a problem that is still ongoing they are so so strict on uniform regulations you know like girls can't wear trousers um but boys can wear skirts that's not in the rules that's an issue in of itself because they're they don't think that that's going to be a problem so yeah, that the, yeah. the, just that that thought in their head that is you know is limiting people um but also they won't let women cut their they won't let girls cut their hair short they won't let people dye their hair they won't let lads have a shaved head they don't let any form of self-identity in this critical critical stage of who you are and forming your identity and i think that is really dangerous no absolutely i will talk a bit more in a second about the whole issue of um how bi people um um you know meet other bi people and things in a second but um you just mentioned the politics thing i absolutely agree with you you know it's sort of you know i i class myself as a as a liberal with a big L, um, not a, not a lefty liberal, but a liberal as in somebody who believes in people's freedoms and all that kind of thing. And um, um, and I, in my experience in 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 politics and journalism and all the rest of it, have had relationships with people who are completely opposite me, totally opposite me. And you know what? It was the best sex I ever had. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, in the UK, it doesn't matter. You can have, I've got friends that are probably on the opposite side of the political exactly. spectrum. Exactly. But in America, you cannot even, assert, like, if somebody in a, if a, in a I know they said communist then, <laughs> if somebody in a, um, in a, like a, a conservative family yeah. decided they were a little bit liberal, they'd be ousted. And it's starting to get like that over here now. Yeah, we are starting to latch on. There are people actually on there are people on Grinder who actually have a thing there saying no Tories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. ridiculous. And I think it's because ever since, um, and I'm not taking a political stance here, but ever since this is just an observation of people's behaviours. Ever since Trump came into power, there were a lot of people over here that saw outrage at it, and I think that inadvertently made people adapt, uh, adopt even, some American views on politics. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and sort of changed society a little bit. It's, in, it's interesting. I mean, obviously we, a lot of the time, um, another pet hate of mine is that we often, uh, you know, I, I love America, I love Americans, and we've got lots of Americans who listen to the show. It's so, a great country. But, 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 the, but the point is we... Some of American culture, I'm not a big fan of, you know. I mean, but we do tend to end up adopting it, and we're not as, and we never have been as, sort of um, political a country in terms of identities. You know what yeah, I, mean? I think politics everyone has their always been something that you keep very private in the UK. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things in the UK which typically you keep very private. It's it's that typical British awkwardness, isn't it? You know. Yeah, exactly. But I think politics is one thing that is very good at keeping to yourself, unless obviously there is a a big problem that needs you know outing, yeah. of course. Yeah. But I think as well, America. It's in terms of the the world and and society. It's still quite a young country. I mean, yeah, what? It's only a two hundred years old, really. 1776 it was it, it got independence from the UK didn't it so they've i mean they've come a long way of course they've come a long way i mean they've existed throughout modern uh, society but there is always going to be these little points of instability there's always going to be cultural differences and stuff like that but i think you only have to look at 
the Far East and the Far West in America to to show how far they've come with sexuality and gender identity. No, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, yeah, I mean, on the politics thing, you know, as you know, when I was growing up and in my teens, I was quite political. But I always had friends who were from different persuasions. But now you seem to go. We seem to get. We get into a point now whereby literally. You know, you 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 have to hate somebody who's opposite you, which I find I find really strange. But anyway, on the on the bisexuality side of things, um, um, we talk a lot about the fact that we know very few people directly, or you know, who are bisexual. We might know people online now, all that kind of thing, but we can count on one hand all of us who we know we could go and see and chat to, who we know is definitely bisexual. So, you know, there is an issue there, isn't there, in terms of bisexuals meeting other bisexuals. How do we get around that? What should we do? Is there anything we can do? I mean, obviously, you can have bars, you can have dating apps, whatever it may be. But that is an issue, isn't it? Because it would actually be quite nice to have conversations like we're having today on a regular basis with other people who happen to be bisexual. But we don't go around with a big B on our heads, do we? Yeah, yeah that, is, that is for sure. I mean, I'm quite fortunate in that, well, I say... I'm going to say I'm quite fortunate, but again, I do only have bisexual people that I know that I can count on one hand. So, yeah. but I mean, yeah. uh, the friends that I've grown up with um, have always been very sort of like open, I suppose, to uh, the community. They're all very uh, accepting. And even so, I mean, we've got uh, two people who are bisexual. We've got a lesbian and then we've got everybody else who is totally open and fine and comfortable with sexuality and their, and their gender identity and stuff like that uh, and being an ally to the community so I, I'm quite fortunate in that but again it, like I say it's only two people I think really that I know that are bisexual and one of them doesn't yeah. really like labels so yeah. and, and one of yeah. only one of those is a cis male so right okay and I think that that's the thing in fact going back to the conversation I had with my mother um, she was saying she feels like she knows a lot of bisexual people. And I was like, okay, well, tell me who they are. And she said, we're saying, well, there's this person, this person, this person, this person. They're all women. And I was saying, that's the thing. On average, men, especially at my age, it's a, it's a very, very sore point still. It's a very... There are a lot of us. I know for a fact there are a lot of us. Yeah, we, are, I mean, are. if you go on Grinder, you don't have to do anything but look at it. And you know for a fact... There are, there are so many bisexual people, especially young bisexual men, um, but none of them want to come out. No. And there's no uh, representation for them. There's no education. There's no information. There's no um, people willing to be friendly and talk about their experience or anything like that. Um, and for me, that was a big reason that I wanted to do this. I felt like I maybe just had to sort of make myself open to be... Uh, a, a fountain of information and experience. Well, I mean, the thing about the thing about that is 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 that it has you know that um, bisexuality on women has become fashionable, hasn't it? Really, it's become a uh, you know even if it's not taken seriously. Yeah, it's, it's a not dangerous. Seriously, that's dangerous territory. But I know, but it has, hasn't it? People, what I'm saying is, people know it exists at least. They might not take it seriously. Might they might think a lot of straight men think it's just a 
a bit of fun for their benefit. Let's face it, that's what a lot of people, a lot of bi- a lot of straight men think a lot of the time. Yeah. So for bisexual women, I think women on average, straight women, are more accepting of people who identify as anything but straight and the sex yeah. that they were born with. Hundred yeah. percent, they just are. Um, and men will see bisexual women potentially like you say fetishized in a in a light that is maybe for their own self-gratification and therefore they accept it so for men it's a little more difficult because if you're bisexual then you feel like women are only going to really accept you as like a gay friend and men are going to think well you're just gay really aren't you you're you know and and sort of shun you from society but nikki tell but nikki nikki insists there's lots of women out there who like seeing two guys getting it on apparently so (laughs) yeah i can imagine i've had conversations with women who've said the exact same thing you know men talk about watching lesbian porn i'm sure women watch a ton of gay porn i know for a fact there's a lot of women that i know that watch gay porn so it's just again these these are just the internal thoughts of people but because they don't communicate it and they don't reach out and there's nobody there really to talk about their experiences and what the actual real world is doing they don't know any better i think the i think the upshot of this is that um i think people are much more generally much more accepting of people having relationships meeting different people the journey being quite you know quite complex in their youth they might have sex relationships with lots of different genders blah 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 but when it comes down to that big question at the end of who are you going to settle down with people don't seem to understand and mass media has a big problem with this that you know it isn't black and white and they don't understand that it isn't you know right or wrong black and white kind of you know they, they think it has to be binary you have to make a choice and and so therefore you're you end up whether you've had loads and loads of relationships with lots of different people from different genders and then you suddenly settle down with a man or you settle down with a woman, then you're completely defined by that relationship. That's the problem, isn't it, really, when it comes down to it? Yeah. um, And again, I think that just comes down to communication. That's people assuming and, um, and, you know, they're, they're making... They're just they're just making a decision in their mind based on no information from a person yeah. who's actually experienced that. Exactly, which I think is why me, Nikki, and Lewis, and Nikki and Lewis talk about this a lot, um, have made a point of talking about or being bisexual. I mean, to be fair, on my on a day to day basis with my partner, gay partner, we don't, I don't, we don't talk about it massively. You know, it doesn't get mentioned hugely, but obviously publicly in this arena, it does. Just because people just need to know it's there, don't they? They need to know there are people out there who are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Otherwise, how can you live your life? You know, I mean, yeah. like, openly. And I, and, and I think obviously for you three, you are all in relationships and you're all bisexual and you're all talking about being bisexual while being in a relationship. That's important. That's like one side of the coin covered. Yeah. But then yeah. for me, I'm not in a relationship because I've not found anyone that I want to be in a relationship with. It's not that I'm not in a relationship because I'm bisexual and because I can't make my mind up. It's purely that I've just not met anyone. Well, yeah, but remember, everyone out there will be thinking, oh, he can't settle down. He's he's out every night being promiscuous and enjoying himself. You know, you just... Exactly. (laughs) Um, But that's the only reason, you know. I I could find a guy and I could be with a guy for however many years. I could find a woman and I could be with a woman for how many years. Obviously, 
on the outside, that's going to look like a straight or a gay face in relationship. Of course, yeah, yeah. I think that just comes with the territory. You know, not you can't just walk past every single person and go, oh, actually, I'm bisexual. Oh, by the way, I am bisexual. You know, like, I could still shag a woman if I wanted to. It's, you, you know, it's, there's, there is a, there is a sort of, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A compromise. There is a compromise. There is, yeah. Um, but it is definitely important that for the people who know that you are bisexual, when you're in a relationship, their immediate thought isn't, oh, they're straight now. Oh, they're gay now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what we need to do, actually, in future weeks, hopefully, and we've been saying this for a while, is we need to start talking to some of the people who are gay or straight who are in relationships with um, bisexual people about their experiences of getting used to that and understanding the other person because I think that's where a lot of the issues come from that people just don't they just don't get how do you navigate a relationship with a bisexual you know and we need to hear from some of those people okay so finally then um I'm sure there are other things we we could talk about talk about forever I'm sure but um (laughs) um what I always ask this question what is it about being bi then or pan or you know just basically being in that situation whereby you you know you're not tied to one gender kind of thing what is it about this identity that is so good that makes you happy that makes you feel it's part of you it's your it's your identity it's really you know because it strikes me you've not been you've not actually been around you know you've not been out properly for for until the last couple of years but i said before you seem very comfortable in it you seem quite happy actually um and there are a lot of people sadly who come to us who aren't happy you know what what is it about once you've come to terms with being bisexual what is it about it that makes you happy i think it's just that you are yourself. You know, what's better than being the the most honest version of yourself? So I think for the people who are, you know, maybe scared about being bisexual, they don't really know what the implications are of it. It's a part of themselves that they're keeping quiet. They're obviously going to be, feel like something's missing. I think if you if you accept it, you accept yourself and you just live your truth, I don't really like saying that, but if you live your truth, um, then, you know, it's it's you being 100% you. And that's the best thing about being bisexual, is just that it's reality. You are representing something that exists. You are being yourself. But also, I suppose, not to be too hard on yourself in the sense that, in the, in the sense that, you know, um, we've talked a bit about this throughout the interview, that... Um, people's identities are very complex so you know it's like a case of you know you suddenly you know you 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 stick yourself to the straight mast or the gay mast or you know even if you stick yourself to the bi or the pan mast it 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 can evolve it can change yeah just be yourself you don't have to change the way you dress you don't have to change the way you talk you don't have to change anything unless you want to but you don't have to do any of that all you do is Fall in love with and sleep with both sexes. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Just be yourself. Or, or all sexes. Or all sexes, all yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Excellent. Anything else you want to say? Anything else that on your on your journey into the in, into this this bi world, as it were, and you accepting it, that, you know, anything else that out there that you think might help people? Because there are, I say, there are a lot of people who, who are contacting us who are, you know, I wouldn't say them... They're not mixed up. They know they're bisexual. Um, it, the issue is that they 
just don't feel that they can navigate it in the world they're in. And bearing in mind, some of these people aren't just in Britain. They're in, you know, the Caribbean or Africa or whatever. You know what I mean? So they're in lots of different parts of the of the world. Some parts of the world where they can't actually be themselves at all. You know, it's really quite hard for them. But is there anything that anything else that you'd like to say? Um. Well, yeah. Okay. So for me, uh, so as I said previously, I'm self-employed. I make jewelry. I'm a goldsmith. Yeah. And I found there's a community within there which supports um, queer people. Queer is a blanket term. It's called um, Queer Metalsmiths on Instagram. And for me, that sort of that em- that embodies um, a community that is obviously supportive, but is specific to something that I'm passionate about. So if you can find a community. Yes. If you can find people who have shared experience, especially if you're from another country where it's illegal maybe or anything like that, if you can find people who are having the exact same experience as you, because obviously I can't uh, know what it's like to be gay in Russia. I can't know what it's like to be gay in uh, United Arab Arab Emirates or anything like that. Um, But if you find a community, if you find people who have that shared experience, then you can find ways of uh of accepting who you are really a lot a lot easier and especially if that community is in something that you're interested in yeah and that's a really important point actually you're making there because i often think we me and my partner often talk about this is the fact that um gay people lgbt people uh, as it were are often flung together because of their sexuality um rather than anything else so you know you, you people get into relationships and often they've got absolutely nothing in common with each other at all but obviously the sexuality i mean i know this happens with men and women as well i mean there are a lot you can see lots of straight relationships where the only thing they've got in common is the fact that they're opposite sex and they get on together sexually a lot of the time and they, after that it's, there's nothing there but what i mean is it's it it it, it can seem a little bit manufactured in the sense that what you're saying there is you you have people who will have something Come in common with, with each other, other other than just exactly yeah. And for those people who are having a bit of an identity crisis and they're not sure if they need to change who they are, if you seek out a community that is just based on being gay and you see all these other people, then you're going to think, oh, do I need to be more like them? Whereas if you meet people who are gay in a community which is something you're already interested in, it's that part of yourself, and you know that you are stuck to that part of yourself and you can be whoever you want, but that's the only thing, that, that's one of the things that you share with these other people and the sexuality. You don't have to change. It just reinforces that that feeling that you, there is nothing to change, but you can gain uh, insight, you can gain information, you can gain education from these people on their experiences in a similar uh, sort of area to you. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, really good point, that. It's a really good point because it, it, it is a situation whereby... You know, you 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 know, I was a I don't know when I first started on the gay scene, probably about seventeen, eighteen, or whatever, and you thrust onto it, and you know, you feel as though you've got to adopt all these different things that these people are doing. You don't necessarily feel com- necessarily comfortable about it, and you know, if I look back, actually, the relationships I made in the end, because I was lucky, because I was in the I worked in the media industry. There were lots of people who were queer within the media industry, so I got to know people. So I had, I had something else in common. Do you know what I mean? Uh, whereas a lot of people don't have that at all. Well, thank you very much indeed for talking to us. Fascinating uh, personal bisexual journey story there. Something you want to know? 
Why not ask a bisexual? So the question for this week, it's multi-layered, uh, Lewis, multi-layered this. Um, this comes from uh, a chap in Scotland who doesn't want to be named. And he says, is sexuality really fluid? He keeps reading things about sexuality being fluid. Uh, he wants to know what our experience is. And he also says, are you still bisexual if there's one period of your life that you've been exclusively with women? Surely you're, I think he's, what he's saying is you're straight at that point. And then there's another period of your life when you're exclusively with men. Surely you're gay at that point. And the third part of the question is, how can you know you're truly bisexual or even pansexual unless you've tried it with both or all sexes? So in other words, if you've had no sex at all with anybody... How can you really tell whether or not you're uh, bisexual or not? So let's 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 go let's go back and and, and uh, split it up. Let's first start off with that fluidity thing. Is sexuality really fluid? Now I'll give you my uh, version of this. I think it is. I think sexuality is fluid. I think there are periods in my life when I felt more more sexually attracted to one gender uh, than another. In fact, there can be periods during the week or the day, or the month, when I, when I might feel more sexually attracted to one gender or the other. So, yeah, I definitely think it can be fluid. What do you think, Lewis? Um, oh, this might be slightly unpopular. So let me, you know, I'm just going to tell you whatever you think. I don't think sexuality is fluid in the sense like you could go from gay to bi. Um, I just think people learn to understand their sexuality more. So I think, you know, some people probably did think they were a sexuality and they came to realisation that they were something else. I just think me personally, in my experience and with, with, with just what I think, I I don't think sexuality... I don't think you can switch between sexualities. I don't think that if you were once attracted to men, that ever goes away. Or if you... I just don't. But what I do agree with is what you said about, you know, kind of like it dials up in levels. So I think it can be kind of a pendulum swinging, but I think it's either a gay or a bi pendulum, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you know, some days you definitely, you know, feel like you're a bit more attracted to men or women or, or, or whatever, or, or you know, and you could do that with like, what, what porn did you watch today or, or last week? You know what I mean? You obviously went to a certain kind because that was the way your sexuality was flowing because we are fluid people. And I think there's fluidity in, in your sexuality. So I don't know. That's my complicated answer. Like, I think your sexuality can be fluid within your sexuality. But well, I we, don't know that you can jump between sexualities. Well, we talked about it last time. It's a bit similar, isn't it? We talked about being a top or a bottom and, and how that sometimes changes depending on the person. And I think it's a bit like that, isn't it? There will be periods of time when you feel, you know, a particular part of your sexuality, you know, comes to comes to a head as it were and other times when it's other things that are more important to that particular point so yeah so yeah it's... and just to say on that as well i think you know because I, I know some people probably be unhappy with what i said but um <laughs> i think it probably comes you've been upsetting this... quite a few people lately lewis <laughs> well you know take a number um I, but i would say it probably comes from my coming out journey of kind of like feeling like oh this means i'm gay or this means i'm straight or this means i'm bi and then me kind of realising that, you know, that I was bi and that all of these things of like, oh, well, you were gay then and you were straight then and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I was always bi. I just didn't really understand that yeah. I was bisexual at the time. So I might have, if you time travelled and want to speak to 16-year-old me, but I'm straight, what are you talking about? Um, yeah. He yeah. doesn't realise at that point that he's bi. So, I don't know so, why I'm talking about myself in a third person right now. So you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so moving on from that, the first question, part of the question was about fluidity. The second part of the question was, are you still bisexual if there's one period of your life that you've been exclusively with women and another period when you've been exclusively with men? And I think this does happen to a lot of people where they spend a lot of their time dating women over a period and they might spend a lot of time, period of their life, dating men. So does it mean, this guy's asking, does it mean that actually you're not really bisexual, you're actually gay or straight at those particular periods in your life? And again, it comes back to this whole thing, doesn't it, of wanting us to pick and choose a side. That's mm. what it's all about, isn't it? It's back to that thing, which people don't seem to be able to get over. How do you answer that question? Uh, you're still bisexual no matter who you're dating. Um, it would be like, kind of like what we talked about before, it's like, you know, most people in relationships, they still have attractions. out. Their, their, their hormones didn't die because they made a commitment to someone. They're still straight, you know what I mean? It, 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 that that makes no sense that that for bi people uniquely when we get into relationships our hormones would go away no i think that you would still see attractive people in the street of of different genders and that's and that's just it i think it's quite a simple question for me it's like of course you're still bisexual in a relationship in those different periods you might not you know I, i'm sure there are some bi people that might you know feel like they, they oh i forgot i was bi because i just don't even think about it that much anymore because i'm just living my life and I have sex with this one person and, and that's it. And for some reason, I don't really think about the other stuff anymore. Fine. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm sure there's different people that experience it differently, but they're still bisexual. No, absolutely. And it comes back to this thing, doesn't it? Of, uh, again, of, of, of sex. You know, it isn't just about sex. Sexuality is not just about who you are physically have sex with. Um, you know, it is about attraction. It's about emotion. It's about all sorts of things. So, you know, for some reason, we, we're still having a problem with that, that we can't cope with the fact that it's about sex and emotions and sensuality and everything else that goes with it. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, I, I just think we have to convey that more and more, that it, it's not just about who you go to bed with that actually defines your sexuality. Um, and the third bit of the question is, how can you know you're truly bisexual or even pansexual? Because we've 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 now decided we're representing pansexual as well on, the, on this this show unless you've tried it with both or all sexes how can you how can you truly know if you've never had sex with anybody for a start there'll be people listening to this program who might be quite young and never had sex with anybody at all how can you really know that you're actually bisexual oh well this is a complicated one i guess um i would i'd probably boil it down to two conflicting factors so the first would be virgins like so if you have never had sex in your life but you were straight you probably wouldn't question that you were straight you either hadn't found the right person or no one had been interested in you or whatever it is or you weren't old enough um but i think there's so many obviously instances of young people that have not had sex yet but they're clearly very attracted to to a certain gender so i, I think within that sense it's not that you have to be constantly having sex with different people to prove your bisexuality, kind of coming back to your point. To the other point, I, I, I mean, I guess that, you know, there is a, there is a chance, and, I, and I'm sure this has happened to a lot of straight people, where they thought they might be bisexual, and, you know, maybe they've had a sexual experience, and they've been like, you know what, actually that wasn't for me. So I, I don't know whether there's really a right or wrong answer to this one. It's, it, there's a couple of different factors in it. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it, it, it's complex. I think, 
you know, I hate this whole thing of, oh, everybody, people, you know, the mental health side of things, everyone's saying, oh, everyone should talk about it. Just talking, it'll be better, make things better. But and it doesn't necessarily always work. We know that. But in this instance, I do actually think when it comes to sexuality and bisexuality, it is important to talk to people. And talk to, I think more and more people are willing or able to talk about sexuality today. And if you are, you know, in your 20s or whatever, I would say, you know, chat to people, talk to people. You'll probably find other people with similar um, experiences. I'd like to be able to say to everybody at every age that they should talk more about their sexuality because, you know, as we're all convinced that there is a lot more people out there who are bi and statistics are showing it more and more, I think we do need that conversation to happen because, um, you know, for people, for, for it to become clear and for people to be able to, Really, truly, with themselves, you know, it's um, it, 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 you know, there's a lot of people who are stuck um, uh, in the purple zone, and the reason I say that <laughs> specifically is there's a new song out, isn't there, Lewis, from the Pet Shop Boys and Mark Armand, Soft Cell, uh, called "Stuck in the Purple Zone," I think it's called, um, and yeah. the words are something along the lines of um, "You're paralysed in the purple zone," and although I don't think it's about being bisexual. Uh, if people want to have a listen, you go on YouTube. You'll 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 be able to pick it up and have a listen. But it feels it feels I feel an affinity with the song in a way because I think there are a lot of people who are bi who are paralysed in a way in the sense that they they're bisexual but don't know what to do about it and where to go and what to you know how to how to realise it and how to affect it in their lives kind of thing. So um, yeah, I think we've we may have found an affinity. With Mark Armand and the Pet Shop Boys songs, whether they whether they whether they whether they thought there was going to be an affinity with the bisexual world or not, I'm sure Mark Armand and the Pet Shop Boys, who are, 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 are gay as we know, probably haven't got a huge problem with that. But it's um, you know it's it's nice. Well, you know to... what? <laughs> so many so many bi things were claimed as gay, so we'll claim we're, we're going to claim this one as bi. There you Although, go. A warning to anyone that goes looking for the song: it is catchy and still in my head. So yes, you know you've been warned. Yes, sadly, sadly because of rules to do with music rights we can't actually play the song but do look it up and um yeah you'll be singing you'll be singing it for the rest of the week i'm sure if, if you do ready to ask a question of your own send an email now to info at madeinmanchester.tv and in the subject line say for the attention of bisexual brunch and you might get featured on a future show don't be shy they won't bite before we finish i just want to put out an appeal lewis We've talked about this for on several occasions, and we've never really done anything about it. I think we it is time we started to hear from partners, straight and gay partners of bisexual people about their experiences and how they see things and how they you know how they navigated it, how they uh, became you know managed to trust their partners because of all the myths, you know how they got rid of the misconceptions in their mind, how they've managed to to deal with it. Because I think there are a lot of people out there who um you know who, who struggle with this as we can see from those responses to the uh to your article this week there's a lot of people who got clearly have an issue with it so hopefully we can get people coming on board who can you know tell us a little bit about what it was like to um what it's been like to to date a, a bisexual um i'm sure i mean I don't know whether our partners will speak about it. We'll have to ask them, but um, they may or may not. But it would be nice to hear from some people who've got, who've got, you know, to find out what they've got to say. I mean, just looking back on that, Lewis, just right at the very early days of your relationship, were there were there were there things to navigate? Was was it difficult for your partner to sort of get her head around the bisexuality? Um, 
Well, I didn't really think so. So Laura knew that I was bi before she met me because we met at a house party where someone was like, oh, you meet Lewis, he's bi. So that, there was never a coming out thing. I think possibly I struggled a little bit with just going from dating a guy to dating a girl. Um, that there are different facts in there. There are different cultural differences of the way people like to be treated. Um, so probably I struggled maybe a little bit more. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And it'd be interesting to hear people from the other side, from their perspective of how the bi person deals with it and navigates uh, the situation. So please do get in touch with us. Uh, you can DM us on Twitter or, of course, uh, send us an email to info at madeinmanchester.tv. And also, if you just want to tell us your bisexual journey story uh, at any point, please just get in touch with us as well. We're interested in hearing from people, from men, from women, from non-binary people, from trans people. Uh, we know there's a lot of bisexual trans people out there. We haven't heard from many as yet. Uh, we know there's loads of issues and whatever people may not feel like being open about stuff, but we can always anonymise if you want us to or whatever. But please do come forward because, you know, we're trying to create a, a community here. Okay, well, that's Bisexual Brunch for this week. If you've got any comments, thoughts, musings, do get in touch with us at, at Bisexual Brunch on Twitter. And thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye for now. I'm going to tackle the fifth and hopefully final stairgate. It's arriving any moment. It's going to be the fifth stairgate I've tried. Uh, hopefully it's going to work this time and I'll be able to sleep a little easier. And then I need to think about the back staircase because a staircase won't fit on this. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, staircase, absolutely, because I don't want any children coming tumbling down and hurting themselves. So, there we go. I'm putting my kids first before my bisexualities to to please those people in, in, um, in those comment sections earlier. <laughs> this programme is an MIM production. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.